2: Connecting changes everything. at and Hi, this is Joshua David Stein, host of The Fatherly Podcast, the perfect podcast for the imperfect parent. Join us as we talk to dads like Ken Burns, Tom Colicchio, and John Legend about fatherhood. Listen free by searching for The Fatherly Podcast on iHeartRadio or wherever you subscribe to your favorite podcasts.
3: Good morning, folks. We're coming to you live. This is the Outkick, the coverage radio program with you 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern time every single day of your work week. Of course, nobody or well, not a lot of you are working today. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick studios. Great news There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com and in 15 minutes you could save 15% or more on your car insurance. Visit geico.com and you can get yourself a free rate. Quote, my name is Jason Martin, executive producer of this program, Clay Travis in Florida. He's back on Monday. I'm with Jeff Schwartz for the third consecutive day. Pray for me. Just kidding. He's at Jeff Schwartz on Twitter, GEOFF, played in the NFL for eight years for a couple of the teams, as a matter of fact, that were in action yesterday on Turkey Day. That first game was a lot of fun. That second game was illuminating. And then that third game apparently occurred, but I didn't really see a whole lot of it, if I uh, am being quite honest with you. Also didn't see a lot of the uh, PK-80 yesterday, but during before the Chargers and the Cowboys kicked off, Jeff, yes, that's right, North Carolina and Portland were in action on ESPN. Not going to get into it more than just to say that, and at the time, it was only an eight-point game. So there you go. Way to go. That's, that's what ESPN was counter-programming the NFL with. Yesterday, But three huge games. Case Keenum is a good football player. These are things that you could not say maybe even a year ago unless you were talking about his time in college. Case Keenum outplayed Matt Stafford yesterday. Two touchdowns, no interceptions, plus 90 as a passer rating again. Defense stellar for the Vikings, although Stafford made a few plays. But, man, they could not run the football at all. Not that they're a particularly great rushing football team anyway. The defense for the Lions was actually able to get to Keenum. They got to him twice. That's He had only been sacked one time, one time in his last five games thanks to that offensive line performance from the Vikings side. Yesterday, sacked twice was Case Keenum. But still, in the end, the Vikings win. They're a two-loss football team. But I want to focus on the Lions first. Because the Lions are six and five, Jeff, right now second in the NFC North, and you're wondering, you know, is this a team that can make the playoffs? Well, all I will point you to point you to is this: three of their last five games are on the road, but it's at Ravens, at Bucks, then they go home to play Chicago, then travel to Cincinnati, and then play Green Bay. Maybe Aaron Rodgers is playing in that Green Bay game. Who knows? We don't know at this point in time. It still looks like if you look at those five teams playing Baltimore, Tampa Bay, Chicago, Cincinnati, and Green Bay, that this is a team that should finish no worse than... I honestly think they'll win four of those five games. I think they're better than those teams. I think that that's a 10-6 and six team. I think they have to be a 10-6 and six team, as a matter of fact, if they want a reasonable shot to make the playoffs considering some of the other competition that's right there breathing down their neck and some with a better record than them right now in the wild card rankings. They're not catching Minnesota. Nobody's catching Minnesota. Minnesota has taken this division runaway and hidden with it. But I look at the Lions, and you played for the Lions for a short time, Jeff. This is a team that has a schedule in front of it that should be favorable to them. They should win, I think, four of those five games. And if they don't, then they're not going to make the postseason.
4: You know, to me, and starting with the Lions, I I don't understand – why they start slow all the time. Their M.O. is starting slow and then speeding everything up and winning the game. They started slow against the Browns. They were down 10-0. Obviously, against Minnesota, they were down by 14. Um, They just play slow to start and then try to speed up at the end of the game and try to win these games late. Um, It seems to be a recipe uh, for disaster all the time. You can't always play from behind, and when you don't have a run game, that's partly why they start the game slow. They try to run the ball to start games, like most offenses do. It doesn't work. They go to passing the ball. Takes a little bit of time to get in the rhythm, and then when they finally do, they're a good football team. So they need to start the game running the ball. Excuse me, start the game either running the ball better, which they have not done. They have now. I think it's over sixty games without a hundred yard rusher. And yesterday, um, Abdullah rushed for I don't know fifteen yards, and I think Theo Riddick at like twenty five. Yeah. yeah, I mean it was it was, it, was and it wasn't even like I mean there were no lanes. There was you know, it was it was negative runs, two yard runs. I don't know why, by the way. They have a good offensive line. Um, they're very talented. I think part of it is that Riddick and Abdullah just don't fit that offense. They're more third down backs, they're not feature backs. So I actually do think Detroit will be wise to maybe spend if they want a first or second round pick on a running back, depending on, on where these guys are. Um and I, I haven't done any much draft prep, so I don't know, you know, beyond Saquon Barkley, um, you know, really who the top running backs are in the in the nation right now, but, you know, they need to get a guy, a feature back who can do really more than just be athletic, which is what Abdullah and, and Theo Riddick are. And they're in the great out of the backfield as far as in the past game. So, you know, to me, we talk about playoffs, and if you look right now at, in the NFC, Eagles are in, Vikings are in, Saints are in, Rams and Panthers. I think those five, to me, I feel very solid about then you have mm-hmm. Atlanta sitting in that sixth wild card spot. They now have the tiebreaker over Seattle, whose record is six and four. They're both six and four. And if you look at Atlanta's schedule; they have a tough schedule coming down the stretch. Really right? tough. Bucks, Vikings, Saints. Now, those three games are at home, at Buccaneers, at Saints, at Panthers. So they have a tough they have a tough schedule coming down the stretch. Um, but they're playing good ball right now. They're starting to play better on defense. They're playing much better on offense. If you look the last two games, twenty seven points. 34 points, even go back in the rain in New York. They scored 25 points uh, about a month ago now. If you look at Seattle now, Seattle, I'd say that they have a good chance to make the playoffs. However, they're not playing very well right now. Uh, they lost they lost to to the to the Redskins at home. They beat the Cardinals in a close game. The Falcons pretty much controlled that game. Now they're at they're at San Francisco this weekend. I actually picked the Niners to win this game. Um I kind of took a flyer on that. I do picks every week for SB Nation. I thought it'd be a game maybe the Niners can steal, but Garoppolo is not starting, so I actually do have time to change that. Then they have the Eagles at Jacksonville, Rams at Cowboys with Zeke back probably for that game. So they have a tough road too. So I do agree with you on the Lions being able to possibly sneak up there. However, I can't trust a team that can't build a lead to start a game. Um, you know, I don't know how you can expect the Lions to go into Baltimore, who's got a good defense, go to Tampa Bay, um, and say, hey, I trust that they're going to go in there and handle their business because they start games so slow that it's hard for me to say that they're going to dominate these games and win these games. I think they'll win them because they come back and win late, I don't have much confidence they're going to win four out of these five games. I mean, they're going to have a game or two where they stumble early, and if you stumble early on the road, if you're at Tampa, let's say, it's a poor Bucks team, and you stumble early, the Bucs are going to start feeling themselves, and they're going to start playing better, and they're going to get excited that they might get a chance to win a game. So I, I think I agree with you that they have a, the schedule to get 10 wins, but I don't know if I trust them to get 10 wins.
3: Well, I mean, I kind of feel the same way about the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans are another team that starts really slow often and then comes out and plays a little bit better in the second half, not talking about the Steelers game, of course, but as but a whole, built, by the you way, don't like
4: that. The, but they can but the run the ball. The difference with the Titans, I'll give you this, is because they're so run-oriented, it, it's, it makes sense they start slow at times because it does take time for the run game to get going. The Lions are not run-oriented. They try to run the ball early. It doesn't work. So I, I'm actually okay... With the Titans starting a little bit slower than most teams because they really want to establish that run. I mean, out of all teams in the NFL, you know, there's probably like three teams like them where they re- where the run is more important in the past, especially early in the game. Now, every team tries to now every team will try to establish the run, but that's the Titans' identity is running the football. Um, so I, I'm actually okay with that a little bit more than I am with the Lions.
3: On the other side, the Vikings are really good. That is oh, yeah, not something think? that we need to discuss all that much. I mean, they are good everywhere. Keenum, 21 of 30, 282 and two scores, both of them to Kyle Rudolph. And, you know, I, I've grown used to watching Kyle Rudolph make ridiculous catches, when he's, especially when he's on scoring plays. That first touchdown he caught yesterday in particular was one of the easiest passes I've ever seen this guy catch. He was wide open. Their schemes look good. Latavius Murray's out there averaging over four yards a carry. He gets into the end zone. The offensive line's playing good. Adam Thielen's a revelation. He's been playing great football. Stephon Diggs is out there diving for pylons, diving for first downs. This is a football team that's extremely well coached by Mike Zimmer, and you have to wonder why it took him so long to actually get a head coaching job. But, man, he looks very, very good. Keenum in complete control of that offense. This is a team, and that defense. My goodness, yeah. Everywhere they've got talent. Everywhere, if they've got home field advantage, I know it's ridiculous to say, but phew, I've said this. Whoever gets home, it's going to be tough. You NFC, said it man. yesterday, didn't you?
4: Yeah. No. Whoever gets home field advantage in in the NFC is going to be the favorite. Now it's easy to say that, obviously, right? I mean, you know that the the number one seed is gonna is gonna win the the NFC. Um, but it's I think it's. I think it's very true, um, and if you look at these teams right now, what's, what's interesting about the Vikings, too, is I actually think their defense feels underrated. Like, Everson Griffin does not get the love that true. three, four defensive ends get, like a Khalil Mack or a Von Miller or Justin Houston. Everson Griffin is a monster, um, and because he plays in a 4-3 defense, he has to stop the run, and he's not going to get as many sacks as these other guys are, Um And he's unstoppable. And Hunter on the other side is unstoppable. And Linville Joseph in the middle. I mean, this is such a solid defense. How about Everson Griffin yesterday having a kid in the middle of warm-ups and FaceTiming with his his significant other during the birth right before the game? I would be in the hospital with my wife. (laughs) I'm not going to lie.
3: Yeah. So the Vikings have at Falcons at Panthers are their next two games those are they both going to be schedule. really good football games they do but and then, they, th- then they down they the stretch those. they sh- they should win their last three though honestly they should beat Cincinnati they should go to Green Bay and win and then they should win in Chicago i don't think that there's any way that they are worse when they finish this season than 12 and 4 that's a worst-case scenario for them. If they go into Atlanta yes. and win that first game, I think that they're probably 13-3 and three at worst. If, the, But I could easily see them run the table. I mean, they are that good. You have to play almost flawless football to beat them. Even though they will beat you close, if they have to beat you close, they just seem to be winning all these games in varying ways, but their defense is fantastic. And if Keenum's going to play like this, I don't know. We've talked about it on the show. How many guys have been journeymen? To the level of a Case Keenum that's gone team to team to team to team that's in his late 20s. I think he's 29 years old which is actually a good year, a good time, good age. It's like a median age for quarterback in terms of their skill set but watching the way he's playing right now as a reclamation project you just have to... like. I don't know who's even comparable to him as a matter of fact. Somebody that's gone through that many teams and is playing this level of football.
4: You know what's funny? Is I actually think Sam Bradford is a little comparable. Now he didn't go to this many teams but... He's kind of been a guy who was a journeyman after he failed his first time around in St. Louis. He went to he went to Philly, obviously, came to Minnesota, played really well. You know, if you look at Keenum's stats too, his completion percentage up six percent higher than his average, his yards per attempt are up this year, um, his adjusted yards per I mean, all these things are, are are way up this year. And look, you can credit obviously his wide receivers. Stevens doing an outstanding job. How about this? The the Vikings were very close to signing Alshon Jeffrey, this offseason, who ended up signing with the Eagles in a one-year prove-it deal. So if they get Jeffrey, then Thielen probably is not the number one wide receiver anymore. So it changes the trajectory of two careers because Jeffrey's playing well in Philly and will probably get an extension. He's proven that, that he can be a number one wide receiver again after struggling in Chicago. And now you have Thielen, who the Vikings signed to a really modest contract this offseason. He's very underpaid for his performance this year. And he's up there with... Antonio Brown as one of the best wide receivers this year. Uh, so it's weird how how that played out well for the Vikings um, just passing on, on Jeffrey who wanted to be number one and, and ended up signing Thielen who's done, who's done a fantastic job. So I think we we need to credit Keenum obviously but also credit Pat Shermer, the OC who's done a good job, uh, a great job I should say of, of finding rhythm throws for Keenum. Obviously improving the offensive line has been very helpful for them. They spent uh, two uh, excuse me, they, they spent a draft pick on a third round center, Pat Effline from from uh, Ohio State who's done a good job. And they brought in two tackles and Riley Reeve from Detroit and Mike Rammers from the from the Panthers. They spent money on those guys, and those are physical offensive linemen. Um and that's what this team wants to be. It fits Mike Zimmer's profile. So I I I credit them all around. I'm not a I should said, I'm not a Vikings fan. I, I the time I spent there was was not very good. So um for me to credit the Vikings um <laughs> takes a lot for me to do, but they, um, they're um they really playing good football.
3: Adam Thielen, over 1,000 yards receiving this season, the first Viking to do that since Sidney Rice. So it has been a minute he, since this offense has had something he, to talk about like
4: that. I think I saw the stat yesterday. He, Him and Randy Moss are the, the two Vikings receivers to go for 1,000 yards in the first 10 games, something like that, first 11 games.
3: Yeah, it, that's it, to absolutely be,
4: amazing. To be, in a, to be in a category with Randy Moss is pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah.
3: As long as it's football stuff. As long as it's football related stuff, that's the category you want to be in. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Uh, We'll talk about the uh, Cowboys and the Chargers and Phillip Rivers going over 400 yards. I know that makes one of the guys out in LA really happy. We'll bring them in and talk about that. Also, the Dallas Cowboys yikes things are not looking too hot there so much to get to if you want to jump in on any of what you saw yesterday or any of what you're looking forward to seeing this weekend i don't know if you're out shopping or what exactly you're doing on this friday but our telephone number is 877-996-6369 that's 877-99 on fox we will hear from you if you want to be heard from we'll be right back this is outkick the coverage on fox sports radio welcome back Outkick the coverage here on Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios. Today we're brought to you by our great partners at True Car. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for and on average save over $3,000 off the MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. I don't know if some of you are waking up from a food coma or if some of you are in certain retail outlets that decided that their employees didn't need thanksgiving or the day after thanksgiving off i actually went to a store as soon as i left the show yesterday i didn't know that anything would be open but i assumed i you know i kind of figured that maybe a grocery store would be and i decided at the last second i was going to make green beans so i went and uh, picked up some frozen green beans and uh, made those last night jeff i know that you had quite the smorgasbord was it bad that I made green beans? Is that why I get booed, or I get booed no. for walking into a store on Thanksgiving? I felt bad about it. I'm glad there was a self check. I didn't want to have to rely on anyone. All they needed was to have the door open so that I could get these green beans. I tried to make the smallest carbon footprint possible inside this place because I hated to walk in and see anybody working.
4: I agree. Green bean casserole. What's wrong with green beans? Well, my green bean yeah, casserole had cream, had cream and mushroom in it, and yeah, the see, I like on that. top.
3: Well, I mean, green beans just straight up, Jason. Or, well, I mean, like I said, I, I put, I, uh, yeah, I mean, frozen green beans, and I added oh. parmesan to them, and I made that with with my uh, two baked chicken breasts that I ate last night, and I did splurge, and I I'm had like of, a Velveeta single serving easy mac. Um, I'm proud of you. Deal, a little bit of macaroni, mm. so I still I still did pretty well, and I did work out yesterday too, so I didn't cut that out for the holiday. I was Ooh. actually. I was actually on the treadmill during the end of the Minnesota Detroit game, which was a very entertaining football game. Be honest, when you saw Matt Stafford go down, I was just like, Oh God, he's done. Like you just felt it felt <laughs> like, so bad. Immediately you're just like, This is the so Lions, so he's probably out. But he he you know, he he's toughed gamer, it out. He's all right.
4: He's he's a gamer and he gets beat up. You know what was fascinating about that too? Is sometimes I feel that that people in the booth and I, I don't know if I should knock them, but like they just they don't see the same thing I see. Like they kept saying Stafford's knee when it was clearly his ankle. Like yeah. they kept looking at his ankle. They kept taping his ankle. Not once they look at his knee and they're like, oh it's his knee. It's his knee. It's his freaking ankle. Like they taped his ankle. They didn't they didn't look at his knee. Um Stafford's a gamer man. He gets beat a couple weeks ago he had a he had a knee and a shoulder and a back he is a gamer man. I liked the year I played with him, really just the offseason I played with him. Dude, he's a tough SOB and He's going to be an interesting case because we're in this new era of football, right, where we pass the ball all the time, and his stats are amazing. He's the youngest player to ever f- throw for 30. Uh, I think him and Peyton Manning are the, are the two only two players to throw for 30,000 yards before they turn 30. Um, and Stafford's going to have the numbers for a Hall of Fame career, but he's not going to have the wins, at least not now. And he's going to be a fascinating guess case. Uh, case, um, yeah. uh, case uh, test case for study. yes, there we go. Case study, <laughs> a case study for this new era of football where we pass the ball so much. Um, about whether winning is still important, because I know like two super like you know Eli's always uh, the the discussion when it comes to this, and he didn't play very well last night. He won two Super Bowls. I think you're in with two Super Bowls, you know quite uh, quite honestly into the into the Hall of Fame. Other other people don't, um, but Stafford will be that test in this new era of football. How important. Our passing stats, how important are wins, how important are playoff wins, um, how important is being a leader, which I think he checks off. You know, it's tough, obviously. So I think it's going to be interesting when it, when it comes down to, to time to see where he ends up in passing yards, but also will the Hall of Fame voters overlook his poor teams and just look at his stats.
3: Another potentially interesting case is another guy that has not won a Super Bowl that has thrown for a lot of yards and has been a leader on his football team for a long time, and that's Phillip Rivers. Who throws yes. for four hundred and thirty four yards yesterday, three touchdowns, no interceptions, at ninety-four QBR, twenty seven of thirty-three. I mean, that's about as good as you can do. The first half of that game was almost unwatchable. Three to nothing at the half. And that was Dallas. That was on Dallas,
4: though. That well, was on Dallas. The Chargers, just, the, the Chargers oh. moved the ball fine. They just missed field goals.
3: Yeah, yeah. Nick Novak, if you had him on your fantasy team, you're probably struggling already. <laughs> well, he did not do particularly well he's hurt, yesterday.
4: Though. He's hurt. What's I up with
3: kickers getting hurt all of a sudden? Philadelphia doesn't have a kicker on Sunday Night Football. They're having to go for two in the second half, and now you've got Nick Novak injured. I'd never really thought about the idea that there were no backup kickers on teams because you need space for other things. But man, if you lose a kicker, that can cause you some serious problems. We've seen that now.
4: What I it used to be where like a punter at least was competent enough to kick the ball. Um, and do kickoffs or do field goals if needed, but the, their their punter tried a couple extra points and missed all of them. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and so it was. I was. Like, I, they used to be able to do a little bit of that, but I think it's become so specialized where you don't do that anymore. Um, and you, what's fascinating in and i What's fascinating in Detroit is their punter Sam Martin is their kickoff guy. And Matt Prater just kicks field goals, which is really odd, right? Most teams don't do it that way. So they would be actually be, I think, be okay if Prater had to miss a, a snap or two because of injury. But yeah, there's no one on the roster, in obviously in San Diego or in Philly, like why didn't the Philly punter kick the ball? Um, they had a linebacker all- out
3: there trying to kick,
4: and he, he, dude, he did really well. He he got a touchdown considering of yeah. times, um, uh, but it was and so. Uh, I, I don't know why teams don't. I guess the, why the punters aren't trained a little bit in kind of crossing over into into kicking off. But that game wasn't terrible in the first half. I thought it was it was just poor kicking on the Charger side. Now the Cowboys are a complete disaster right now. There are so many things to talk about. I tweeted this out yesterday that the guy in the booth uh, who's calling the game yesterday would not be in the situation that Dak is right now. Um, yeah, that's, that's something situa- to talk we're, about. Where. No, I'll start by saying I don't think that Romo should have the job back. Right? He Dak won that job last year, which is fair. But he played really, Dak played really well last year. But I think that we, not me, and the Cowboys fans and people in general, um, discredited the help that Dak has in Zeke Elliott in his offensive line in having a Pro Bowl wide receiver in Des Bryant. and That's loose terms. He made the Pro Bowl last year, but so did half the NFL. <clears throat> Excuse me.
3: Oh, I thought you were and, doing a joke there with that cough. No, I was about to go off on somebody. For,
4: for, no, no. Um, so, and he and you know he's not the same player anymore. Jason Wynn is still the same player, Hall of Fame tight end. I mean, he's, so he's had all these weapons around him, and now we're slowly seeing obviously no run game. Tyron Smith was back, but a little beat up yesterday. He wasn't the same player. The right guard got hurt. Zach Martin got hurt in the middle of the game. Des Bryant's not the same guy anymore. So we're seeing now more pressure put on Dak Prescott, and he has not delivered. They've scored no. seven, nine, and six. I think it's what his, is it, twenty-two points without, they've scored in
3: three with, games or twenty-three points?
4: With, without Zeke Elliott. So the conversation I think now can turn to look, is is Dak a guy that can lead your team without a lot of weapons? If we look at Phillip Rivers, he can do it. And I think Tony Romo would have would have been able to create plays with just his knowledge of defenses, with his entire knowledge of where the ball should go on the field. Um, and don't you know, yes, he can't run the ball like Dak can, but Dak's not even really even using his legs because he's not really a runner first, which I like. He's a passer first. So I think it's fair to say, look, is, is Dak... I don't think he's overrated, but I think this is what Dak is. He needs all these guys around him to be successful. The question that I think a lot of Cowboys fans have and even Cowboys media members, and, and I trust them because they follow the team a lot, is is this a lot on Jason Garrett? Um, there's always been talk about Jason Garrett not being able to improvise very well when things don't go well, especially in-game, and now we've seen three games with terrible offense, and is this on the players, which I think it's uh, fair to to criticize the players a little bit, especially Dak, is on the coaching staff for not having a game plan better suited for Dak without Zeke Elliott, I think it's a combination of both, so it's really interesting to see if this is a, a period where Jason Garrett might lose his job and they bring in like a Sean McFay, a young, upcoming O.C. to help out uh, and be and be the head coach to help Dak Prescott out. Um, it's really interesting to see how, how this plays out because their season's done um, until they get Zeke Elliott back, and by then, their season's over. So um, it's fair to criticize Dak. Uh, it's fair to criticize Garrett. I think they're both involved in this. Is it fair to criticize Jerry Jones for not having maybe some depth on the roster? Sure. But you, you you don't replace an all-pro running back with another all-pro running back. You don't replace an all-pro left tackle with another all-pro left tackle. Um, and really, their defense has done a good job for not having Sean Lee. Um, you know, the, game, you know the, the, the games get away from Dallas at the end of, of the contest because their defense on the field so long. They play well in the first half. So I think this is really on the offensive staff. Jason Garrett, Dak Prescott, the players to kick it into gear. Let's go to Los Angeles and bring in Ralph Irvin. He's in
3: the Update Studio and find out what happened yesterday and what's set to happen in the world of sports. Ralph?
0: Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. You talk about that Dallas Cowboys performance on the other side of the field. How about the performance from Phillip Rivers? 434 yards in the air, three touchdowns, and L.A. takes out the Cowboys 28-6. Earlier, it was the Case Keenum show in Detroit. Case out of the shot, went back to pass, facing a blitz, fires right, caught. 22-yard touchdown, Case Keenum to Kyle Rudolph, and it's 19-3, Minnesota. KFAN Minneapolis and the Vikings radio network with the call as the Vikings take it 30-23 over the Lions in the nightcap. Washington held New York to just 170 total yards, no offensive scores, and the Redskins scored 10 points in the final three-and-a-half minutes to take out the Giants 20 to 10. On the college gridiron, Ole Miss with the Shocker over number 14, Mississippi State 31 to 28. The Rebels finished the season at six and six with their self-imposed bowl ban in place. On the hardwood, wins for number one, Duke, number four, Michigan State, number five, Villanova, seven, Florida, number nine, North Carolina. But number two, Arizona, loses for the second time in as many days. They fall to SMU 66 60. Same for number 18, Purdue. They lose to Western Kentucky 77 73. Appreciate that, Ralph. WKU,
3: go tops, my alma mater. Welcome back inside. This is the Geico Outkick Studios. We're coming to you live until 9 a.m. Eastern Time on this day after Thanksgiving where some of you are. Thinking of memories of the food that you had, hopefully not the arguments that you had at the dinner table last night, and looking forward, as I'm sure Jeff is, to that turkey leftover sandwich that's going to be part of your afternoon. I'm going from here
4: to the grocery store and buying like a new warm loaf of bread. I can't wait.
3: Wow, you just kind of like sighed underneath your breath, like you can barely even get through. We'll we'll get you, it's just a couple more hours, and then we can get you to your sandwich, Jeff. We talked a lot about the Cowboys (laughs) in that last segment. I'm gonna make a couple of points here that I haven't heard enough people say this yet. I, I, I every t- watch it I had somebody ask me yesterday they were asking me why the Dallas offense is so boring and actually I think the phrase that was used is why is Dallas's offense so garbage is how it was asked to me and like nobody is stretching the field for this team and I said, If you were to squint your eyes at this offense and look at how dynamic it's not, and how, I think you said this yesterday, Jeff, that it was clearly built around Zeke. He was the first-round pick. They were building to run the football. They were setting up the offensive line and really taking a lot of pressure off of Dak Prescott, who I don't know that they thought was going to be their quarterback this soon, and trying to make it a little bit easier even on Tony Romo. But if you really look at it, Dez is not... I mean, he's a pro bowler, but like you said, he's kind of borderline at this point. I don't know that he's a game breaker in the same way, but I do think that they could be doing a lot more with him than they are. But if you were to squint your eyes at this passing attack in particular, forget about the jersey numbers, forget about the names on the jerseys, this Cowboys team to me feels an awful lot like the Houston Texans last year without that quality of defense. This is a check down offense. This is, look, where is C.J. Fedorwitz That's the only thing that's missing right now is how many catches fedorwitz made for like four yards last year in Bill O'Brien's offense. This is just not an exciting offense at all. And Dak Prescott, look, he only threw five incompletions yesterday. Two of them went to the other team, but he was 20-27 <laughs> for 179 yards. Only five balls that he threw hit the ground yesterday but he didn't get into the end zone no touchdowns he sacked twice his QBR which is a stat I'm not a huge fan of is a 14.2 I'll just go ahead and inform you that that's not particularly good the, they didn't the run the football the one,
4: well Is that QBR the one that ESPN has?
3: Yes. Okay. It's not passer rating. Passer rating is the good stat. But I, unfortunately I don't, the, I don't have it really in front the of difference. me. One includes other things. Passer rating is just the basic stats. Look, I don't know why we needed a new quarterback stat. It's like we didn't need one for about 7,000 years, and then all of a sudden ESPN's like, oh, but the QBR is the stat that you should be using. Well, no one really does, except if you're on ESPN, and even people on ESPN, even their you know, opinion people, will still quote passer rating and leave the rest of it off. But for the season right now, as I'm bringing it up, Dak Prescott, 19 in rank in passer rating this year at an 87.6 he has 16 touchdowns to nine interceptions this was a guy that did not turn the football over much at all in his rookie season he's thrown for 2318 yards he's averaging less than seven yards per attempt still completing 63.7 percent of his passes he's also been sacked 24 times which speaks to the issues on the offensive line with the injury to Smith and then just other kind of piecemeal things that they've also had to had to deal with the other point that I would make is that if you're a Cowboys fan right now, and you go back and look at the example of the New England Patriots when they had Tom Brady sit out those four games and just stopped the protest, to stop the challenge, and just went ahead and dealt with it, even though they didn't believe that that was the case. If you are the Cowboys or if you're a Cowboys fan right now, consider Zeke having served his suspension off the start of the season and being available right now they start the season does Dallas let's say he had had a six game suspension off the top they play the Giants they probably still win that game they play at Denver they lost that game and they would have probably still lost that game they went to Arizona they'd have had a shot in that football game they would have played the Rams who they lost to anyway and would have lost again and then they played Green Bay and they lost to Aaron Rodgers before his injury and they probably would have lost there anyway and then they won against the 49ers Those are the six games. The six games that I just mentioned, they beat the Giants, they lost to the Broncos, they beat the Cardinals, they lost to the Rams, they lost to the Packers, and they beat the 49ers. None of those things would have been different, likely. Maybe one without Zeke Elliott. And then you would have had him down the stretch. You would have had him yesterday. You would have had him against Washington on November 30th. You would have had him against the Giants on December the 10th. You would have had him against the Oakland Raiders on the road on December the 17th. So you look at it and you think, man, if I'm a Cowboys fan, I so especially I know hindsight is 2020, but even without hindsight, looking at that early schedule, I'd have had Zeke. I would wish that Zeke had taken his suspension early, because now you really need him because you're seeing deficiencies in Dak Prescott. You're seeing an offense that's just flat out not getting it done. You've got Sean Lee out. You have a few holes on defense that need to be patched up. And now you don't have Zeke Elliott, who's the entire person that this entire team was built around. So to me, that has not been talked about enough that I think the Cowboys may have played this wrong by trying to fight it so hard instead of just letting Ezekiel be the martyr and sit out for six games.
4: In theory, I agree with you. I I said this. When he got suspended before the season started, that it makes sense to take the suspension now. However, I'm going to push back a little bit. If you're Zeke Elliott and you feel that you have done nothing wrong and you're wrongfully accused, then you should fight it because this is your name, your reputation. And I understand why he fought. it. I understand why the P.A. fought. That's their job. Um, I think they thought they could do a Tom Brady and stretch it out through an entire season, and this is a you know a season where everyone thought the Cowboys had a chance to get back in the playoffs and, and make some noise. And if you're Jerry Jones as well, I think he was supporting this um, with 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 some funds and, and his supporting and his uh, support as well. Um, so they all three parties wanted to go and beat Goodell in court. Uh, so I understand why Zeke did it for himself, why the PA did it, why Jerry Jones did it. So in theory, you're right. Right, they should have taken the, the the suspension to start the season. Probably would have done the same exact schedule. Would have been three and three, um, and it, you know you would have had Zeke now. However, you know games in the first six weeks count the same as in, in the games now in the in the record, right? I know we down the stretch and and we talk about you know these games are the ones you win to make the playoffs, but the ones to start the season matter too. So if Zeke was out, and they went one and five to start the season. They're still not making the playoffs now. I think this is a failure, though. Of the coaching staff and of Dak Prescott and the other players to not have a backup plan when Zeke is out. Um, we've seen the Eagles with running back rotations, uh, adding running backs midseason, they've been able to run the football just fine. Um, we see other places as well. Atlanta was out their number one running back at Seattle. They ran the ball fine. So it's not just a Cowboys problem that I have their starting running back. They have to find a way to generate offense more efficiently without Zeke Elliott so I put this on the coaching staff as well uh, for not having a plan they knew Zeke was going to be out at some point um, for not having a better offensive plan to get Dak in in advantage situations to where he can throw the ball
3: we'll continue to break this down 877-996-6369 all the turkey day action yesterday all the football still to come this weekend stick with us this is Outkick the coverage with Jay Martin Jeff on Fox Sports Radio Glad to have you with us on this day after Thanksgiving Friday. It's the Outkick, the coverage radio program. I'm Jason Martin at jmartoutkick on Twitter, along with eight-year veteran off the offensive line in the NFL, Jeff Schwartz on Twitter, at G-E-O-F-F Schwartz. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick studios. We talked a lot about the Cowboys and the Chargers in that last segment before we move on from that the one other point that i would make to back up the assertion i believe that it would have been better for the cowboys had zeke just off the top served the suspension i do agree that especially when the charges are like this if you didn't do it you want to go to the highest rooftop you want to go to the highest mountaintop and scream your case because you don't want to be tarred and feathered with that although there's always going to be some people that are going to believe that about zeke even if they had facts in front of them because once you hear it some people can't unhear it But I would say this you can still proclaim your innocence and take a plea sometimes when you're in court. Don't want to put on my lawyer hat. That's not really my thing. But yes, but generally speaking, there are a lot of people that will take pleas because of the consequences if it doesn't go their way and they don't take a plea. The thing I would say in terms of not going their way for the Cowboys if their schedule had been the same and they were 3-3 and when Zeke came back, the one thing that you get when Zeke Elliott comes back after a six-game suspension to start the season, Jeff, is consistency. That's something that the Cowboys have not had because from week to week, they're in their locker room, they're talking to the media, and like, well, we got Zeke this week, and then they don't have him the following week, and they don't exactly know what's going on. If you serve that six-game suspension off the top, you know when Zeke comes back, Ezekiel Elliott is back everything's in the rearview mirror at that point. Whether you're 3-3, three and 2-4, three, and four, whatever you are, then you've got Zeke and he's not going anywhere unless he gets injured. To me, I think that that's important, having consistency. It seems like this team all year long has just kind of had to shrug their shoulders wondering what's going to be the case from one game to the next, and I don't think that that's a good way certainly to exist in the NFL or in pro sports. I don't think it's a good way to exist in life. I think in general, being consistent – Even sometimes when the short term isn't necessarily the proper option, looking at it from a long-term perspective and saying, the last 10 games of this season, we're going to have Ezekiel Elliott, we're going to be able to build the team around him, let's look at this schedule and see what's reasonable for us to expect for this season, is better than piecemealing it off a checkerboard and seeing whether or not he's actually available from week to week. Your
4: thoughts? Again. In theory, I agree with you, but he was not offered a plea deal. There was if they would have said, "Look, we'll, we'll reduce your suspension." The plea to is two six th-
3: games. I'm,
4: no, I'm not saying would, that
3: he was no. offered a great plea bargain. I'm saying no, the, sometimes no, pl- you take what's no. offered.
4: No, the plea deal would have been if they would have reduced his suspension to two or three games. No, that's what I'm saying. He didn't get a
3: season. plea. I'm just saying that my my example's imperfect, but the six right. games would be the plea in this
4: case. Right. Well, not really. Would I- <laughs> It doesn't, no, the, it's that's imperfect. The, the plea I told you I don't put on a no, lawyer hat. This is my the point. Plea, the plea would have been if they gave him a reduced suspension, in two or three games. Yes, and I'm then aware of that. He and then he would have taken. I think then he would have taken that. That's the plea deal, and that would have made more sense. Obviously, they 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 did not they denied his appeal, which to me, again, we've talked about this. I totally agree with Clay, and I don't agree with him on everything, but I agree 100 um, uh, percent that the NFL. Should get out of the investigation business. Agreed. It, it never works for them. It's it it it's a terrible look for the NFL every time they do an investigation. They end up leaving out details. You know when you have the assistant um, to uh, to Lisa Friel, the assistant um, investigator, essentially give a report saying that the witness is not credible and Zeke should not get suspended, and that does not make it into the into the hearing. That's a problem to me, uh, quite honestly. So I think that the NFL in general just bungles these investigations. They end up being court Deflate Gate, which I think was still a bogus investigation. They had issues with star caps. They had issues with Adrian Peterson. With Ray- I mean, right? These are all mistakes the NFL has made. Josh Brown, they only suspended him one game, and then suspended him for this season for six games, and he was cut by the. I mean, it's just it's a, it's disaster every time that the NFL tries to do something like this, it's a disaster. So, um, but to me, like I said. For Zeke, I'm on board with him trying to fight it. As far as for the team, yes, it makes sense for him to take the six weeks off and then, like you said, have him for 10 weeks. Like You know we have Zeke Elliott for 10 weeks. However, I'll just say this before we get to break. Look, there's injuries all the time. So the Cowboys at some point had to have a plan in case Zeke got injured. Agreed. There's a plan in place, and the Cowboys seem lost and have no plan without their running back.
3: Look, that's that's an excellent point. And I'm certainly not saying this whole thing is because Zeke didn't sit out the first six games and cause sort of a disarray in that locker room. There's a lot to be said about Jason Garrett. I know we had a caller, I think it was Monday, call up and suggest maybe if Dan Mellon doesn't go to college, maybe he could reunite with Dak Prescott in Dallas. Maybe there's talk about Jason Garrett. There certainly has been in the past. And look, Dak Prescott versus Tony Romo is an argument that was had last year, and it may be time to actually bring it up again. Even though Tony Romo is just so fantastic in the booth, it's almost like we've been blessed by the fact that he left the league as much as I enjoyed him there. We'll talk about that next. Stick around with us. Outkick the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. All you got to do, it's real easy. Just visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Clay Travis is back on Monday. We've got two more hours to finish this week. 13 down, two to go here on the Outkick the Coverage radio program. My name is Jason Martin. I'm joined by Jeff Schwartz, who played in the NFL for eight years. He's down in Charlotte. I'm in Nashville. Donald Trump is in Washington, D.C. And the reason that I mention that is to say this. Donald Trump is up. And he's tweeting and he tweets out, can you believe that the disrespect for our country, our flag, our anthem continues without penalty to the players? The commissioner has lost control of the hemorrhaging league. Players are the boss. And before I give Jeff kudos on an excellent tweet that he sent out and he said he's got a stat for us as well. I need my president to start doing other things. I don't even necessarily mean tweeting. I mean that I'm so past this. Like This argument, we are to the point where it's not affecting anyone that doesn't already see it on one side or the other. If you're on Trump's side, you're still on his side, and he's just feeding the base. If you're not on his side, this is just going to anger you every single time. I just look at it and think to myself, I need my president to have higher aspirations in his mind in the mornings than to care about this. The entire thing has just, it's driven me nuts. And I know there's people out there in our audience that are going to be disappointed in me or upset with me. I'm not a gigantic fan of the president. I've made that point clear. It's just, this has nothing to do with politics. This just has to do with, come on, man. Like just every day, it's something about the NFL ratings or something about disrespect for the country because of this kneeling issue. And all of the other things that have been going on around us, just like there are so many other things going on in the world that every morning I wake up and by 6 o'clock my time here in the Central Time Zone, by 7 o'clock where a lot of you are on the East Coast, the President of the United States has already weighed in on the NFL, usually in terms of ratings or talking about how it's struggling and that there's no leadership because... You know, the players are running things. The players are the boss as he finishes this tweet. I don't think I'm alone, quite frankly. I think a lot of you might be tired of this kind of stuff. And I mean on both sides. The same stuff that Sean King says that annoys the hell out of all of us is the same thing on the other side. It's just, I want to go to my social media. And one of the reasons I've checked out of social media a lot over the last month is because of stuff like this. You go on social media, and within five minutes, you're jealous, you're angry, you're mad. You are looking for something to confirm your worldview. You're seeing the worst in people. You're not seeing what a lot of people actually think unless they're anonymous. Donald Trump, I have no idea what he believes and what he doesn't believe. I just know that this tweeting, this incessant tweeting about <laughs> sports, I've just had enough,
4: Jeff. He doesn't believe in anything. All he believes in is making money, which is good, I mean, for him, and and whatever his base wants. Look, I, I tweeted this at him as well right now. I mean, I had a great tweet about the The reason the the disrespect for our country was the Giants and Cowboys offenses yesterday. I just tweeted him. Na- NASCAR ratings are down seventeen percent this year, seventeen percent, and they love our country, correct? Um, yes. And so I I tweeted at him. NASCAR ratings down seventeen percent. Maybe less than one percent of the drivers should take a knee and be and only be down six percent in ratings. Um, here's the deal. Look. I think, and this is really the only point I want to make about this this discussion. We, we have plenty of other things to talk about. Yes, um, and I've thank goodness we this. do. I've, I've, ta- I've talked about this to, to no end. Look, NFL ratings went up over the last, well, really, for like 14, 13, 14, 15 at a time when TV ratings were going down in general. They were the outlier, right? So at some point, they were going to go down as well. Was the tipping point the kneeling? Sure. Um, was the tipping point cord cutting? Yes. Was the tipping point poor play? Yes. They're all involved. And so the NFL is down even the NFL is down but still down less than most TV as well or at the same rate as most TV. So at some point the NFL was going to go down and it, yes, it coincided with some players kneeling. However, I make this point again and again and again. Week 2 this season, there were 6 players kneeling. It was a it was a non-issue. No one was talking about it. They were talking about Colin Kaepernick because he wasn't signed, but they were not really talking about the protest and the message. And they, and they were, and I, and I applaud NFL players for going and talking to their local representatives. Right there's Malcolm Jenkins and Chris Long and these guys going to Capitol Hill and getting things done. And I really appreciate that they that they have put the effort into doing that on their, on their off time. But there were six players. That was it. Six of them. Then week three, the president talks about Colin Kaepernick and calls him an SOB. And, of course, we are prideful players. We have egos. We are going to go out and not allow the president to say that about us as NFL players. So then we have you know 250 guys who knelt in protest of Donald Trump, by the way, not of the flag or whatever else you want to think this protest is about. Um and it went to 250 in week three. So it was a non-issue until the president brought it up. And now it's back to like 11 guys, 10 guys, less than 1% of the NFL is doing this. So to me, it's it's complete non-issue. Um, and we keep bringing it up and he keeps trying to get his base inflamed, I guess. I don't know because... Um, no, that's you exactly know, we, we had what a guy, We had a guy calling a serious radio. I, I, I want to give this guy credit because we actually had a, a mature conversation with somebody who said he wasn't watching football because of the kneeling. And I you know, we was talking about the Rams. And I said, sir, I said... Are anyone on the Rams kneeling? And he said no. And I said, then why aren't you watching the Rams? Like why they, you're like why don't you watch the team you like? They're not doing anything. I live in Charlotte, and zero Panthers have taken a knee. Um, one time, Julius Peppers decided to not come out for the for, for the anthem. Uh, I think it was the same week of of, of the Donald Trump situation. Um, and that's it. And we have people outside the the Panthers practice protesting. What are you protesting? The Panthers aren't doing it. Like so, I just think that it's. It's got out of control to where um, this narrative is being spun that it's this is the reason for the ratings decline. It's not. It's part of the reason. It's there, and people aren't watching. And I think where you're seeing this hurt most, by the way, is the national TV games. Regional ratings are up, so fans are still watching their team. They're just not watching other teams play, which I think is 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 a problem. With if you're going to look at it, where where the 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 ratings decline is because of the protests, I think that's what it is. Is that. People are watching their local team play because and they're not watching the national game as much. But who look? Quite honestly, who who's going to watch that, that 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 game last night? The Giants went punt, 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 field goal, punt, punt, punt on offense. Right? They didn't have a first down the second half. Who wants to watch that football game?
3: I mean, you're look. Let me crystallize it and say it this way: with the exception of the main host on this show, the regular host Clay Travis's ego, what goes up must come down. And you look at the NFL ratings and it fits in that mode. The Walking Dead, which has been a powerhouse since the very beginning on AMC, a six-year ratings low right now. Last I checked, Rick Grimes was not taking a knee to open episodes of The Walking Dead. There's more competition out there for the entertainment dollar and for the entertainment eyeball. And yes, there have been some people that have bailed because of the anthem, but I simply just refuse to believe that that's the main reason. And as someone who grew up in well was born in Martinsville, Virginia, which is a city known best, or a small town of Virginia known best for its speedway and its ties to NASCAR. The NASCAR rating situation, there's nothing there's no more patriotic sport in existence in the United States than NASCAR. And NASCAR is dying a slow death. We saw Dale Earnhardt Junior retire. Danica Patrick has retired as well. Martin Truex, that was a great story, as he won the points championship a week ago. That was awesome nobody's watching these races these were guys for many many years in nascar that were stars they're all great interviews if you haven't ever listened to a nascar driver on radio you're missing out those guys are big sports fans inter- are big pop culture fans they're awesome awesome interviews they have charisma Wait. for miles and no one is watching them right now
4: we interviewed martin truex jr actually who just won the championship on yeah. sirius uh NFL and he was great, radio he? thursday he was great it was fantastic um, yeah, he was a Flyers fan, Eagles fan, a Philly guy. He was well, South Jersey guy, so he's a, he's an Eagle. He was a Philadelphia sports fan, uh, being from South Jersey. And no, they're fantastic. I, and I, you know, I I've, I've been to a couple of races. I'm not I'm not a NASCAR fan, but I enjoy going to the race and being in the pits. And I've met some drivers from time to time. You know, being in the NFL, and they, they're they're fantastic. And by the way, it was Danica Danica was still a big draw in NASCAR.
3: See, I don't, I don't think that the Danica thing is interesting because Danica was more valuable for everything she did outside of the car than anything she ever did inside it. Nobody really ever thought Danica Patrick was some kind of star driver. She just happened to be an attractive woman that also had a little bit of talent at that. But she was, she was somebody that became kind of a joke. It was an easy punchline to make that even if she was in the top ten by the end of the race, she probably would be out of it. And not just out of it, but probably somewhere in the garage where she wouldn't be able to finish. Danica Patrick's life is going to be just fine. Wherever she's headed from racing, she's going to succeed. She's got plenty of opportunities open to her. I don't know how many people were going through the turnstiles or turning on races in 2017 to see Danica Patrick. And I say that as if I'm some kind of NASCAR expert. I'm not. I kind of, there'll be times I'll tune in and watch it. My parents grew up, you know, in that same area where I'm from. And they are huge fans. They watch every week, but it's never really been the same for me. But I, I never really saw Danica Patrick as a draw except for the curiosity factor, but that kinda waned a long time ago when you realized she was just kind of an average driver at best.
4: I know you grew up in the Winston Salem area. Isn't that isn't that uh, stadium over there like the home to NASCAR? Like the first time they raced was yeah. at that so I called a college football game this year at that stadium and when I got there um in Winston Salem State University we they played a local school in Charlotte and I drove up there to call a game and I saw the the track and it was not a football track it was a racing track and I asked about it and they said this is basically where racing began was in Winston Salem State you know at the stadium right here and they still yeah, race mini cars or whatever
3: Yeah and in Martinsville where I was born they still have a NASCAR speedway and have my entire life and those are most of the races that I've been to and I have I've only been to a handful but most of them, with the exception of a few, when I went to Charlotte to see the Coca-Cola 600, uh, they were all in race. Martinsville. Ooh. Yeah, That's
4: it's a really a long, long race. I, I went two years ago, and luckily, it's 400 laps, and luckily, we sat we there for the first 200. There was not one caution the first 200 laps, so it went by quickly, and then we bounced, but... That's a, long, that's a that's a long long race, 400 laps.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I think the TV crews for NASCAR across the board do a really good job. I think those guys do a good job of making it interesting. I don't know what the what the answer is for NASCAR, honestly. It's not really a topic we talk about on the show, and the reason it came up is just in relation to the NFL. That the NFL ratings are down significantly only because of a protest to me is absurd. It's just something I refuse I to believe. Lazy.
4: Look, it's it's it, I think it's just really lazy, man. Like I I I I understand why people are upset about it. And look, I've had civil discussions w- with a lot of people about, um, you know, my opinion on, on what's happening, your opinion and not liking the, the, the protest. Um, and to me, I, I just think that you can you can compartmentalize the two minutes of the anthem versus the rest of the time of being an NFL fan. Um, and look in the NFL. When I was a rookie, we didn't come out for the anthem. Like like so, when when this stuff started happening too, and then that week uh, week three when Tennessee didn't come out, and Seattle didn't come out for the anthem, and Pittsburgh didn't come out for the anthem, I thought to myself, Wait, we used to do that, right? Yeah, we didn't yes. come out for the anthem. And it was 2009 is when it really began. And that's because the NFL partnered with the military. And I think the military even paid the NFL for basically the sponsorship opportunity, um, you know, the, the salute to service and all, and all these other things that, which is great. I, I appreciate the NFL is involved in promoting the military and giving back and honoring. I, that's, that's great. I'm not getting, don't get my words twisted here. That's awesome. Um, but, so even in college do do we call do people call for the college players to come out during the anthem because they don't no no one does so i just think that if if you if you dislike the nfl because of the anthem um i just say maybe compartmentalize it the 2 minutes during the anthem you don't have to watch the player who's kneeling you can enjoy like like well, my no, thing Jeff. Is we I don't we know have no nuance. There's, there's,
3: there's no nuance anymore. I know. There's. You I know either there's no hate anywhere, but, everybody but, but like, or you love everybody. But like,
4: but like, if you're at the game, if you're at the game, why can't you enjoy the anthem yourself and not worry about what the player is in front of you doing? Amen. Like, I've never. Like, like, I've been. I've been to many games. I've never looked at the players during the anthem. You, you, you know, you think about the country. or you enjoy the anthem? Or you wait for the flyover? Right. I mean, like, so I just it's that thing just frustrates me because I love the NFL and and I think that there's other issues that are going on the CTE stuff the poor play on the field the lack of you know the the lack of quarterbacks at, at certain time the reliance on quarterbacks at a certain time um and there's a lot of other issues going on uh in the NFL and this is and, and the kneeling I, I think it's very small issue um is why ratings are down
3: All right, let's take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Trump's also apparently playing golf today with Tiger Woods and Dustin Johnson. How do I know that? Because he just tweeted it out. He's playing at the Trump National Golf Club. Big surprise. We'll be right back. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back inside the friendly and warm confines of the Geico Outkick Studios. The Outkick the Coverage radio program with you for the next hour and 45 minutes or so. And today we're brought to you by our good friends at True Car. With TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, and on average save over three grand off the MSRP. Whether you're looking for a newer used car, that doesn't matter. Just visit True Car either way to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Jeff Schwartz is down in Charlotte. I am Jason Martin, executive producer of this fine program. Clay Travis will be back on Monday. Trump has tweeted about golf. Uh, maybe something will happen he's he's golfing today with tiger woods and dustin johnson so something could happen uh and if he writes after turkey call i will be heading over to trump national golf club and right before that he was talking about turkey he was calling the the uh, leadership over in turkey for a middle east situation but when i first read it i thought it was something to do with thanksgiving like this is
4: the leftover, the fried, chi- the leftover fried turkey Yes,
3: exactly. So so all of this is, is still on the brain. We also got a tweet during the break that's kind of responding to what we were talking about, which was the commentary of Trump about the NFL that he's already leveled, and we were talking about the rating situations. And this tweet says, It's the politics of the network's pregame shows, national shows, ESPN, and even Fox Sports-owned shows that are now doing it. People are cutting the cord. That's why NASCAR is down. NFL needs all games on TV to be watched. Now, to take this from back to front... I agree that the NFL should put all games on television. Clay and I 100% agree on that particular point. People cutting the cord is not why NASCAR is down. NASCAR is down because it's a niche sport that doesn't seem to have any stars anymore. And as good a marketing job as they had done for a long period of time, it's just kind of become an afterthought. The politics of the pregame shows I have a big issue with because I don't watch the pregame shows anyway, but I also don't care who Curt Menifee voted for. Like, that doesn't have any effect on my life one way or the other. Now, if you want to talk about some of the opinion shows on the four-letter, okay, I understand that. There are some people there that might upset you, and then there are a few that you might agree with as well. Not a lot, it seems like, these days, especially on that network. But the other thing I would say about the pregame shows, Jeff, is Inside the NBA is one of my favorite shows on TV, period. Like, there will be days, there will be many Thursday nights when I will not watch the NBA, But I DVR inside the NBA and watch it no matter what. Like, it's almost a television show to me. And they openly make Trump jokes fairly frequently on the air. Yet people love that show. Like, people still love Barkley, and they still love Shaq, and they still like Kenny. And I know Ernie Johnson said he would have voted for John Kasich, but... The politics of it don't really matter. It's like if the personalities are good, the personalities are good. The issue that you were talking about how, like, why are you not watching the Rams if you're a Rams fan when no one on the Rams was part of these protests, that was the same issue I had with what I thought was nothing more than a contrived stunt by Mike Pence when he went to the Colts game with the 49ers where not a single Indianapolis Colt took part in anything at all, and he still called it disrespectful and walked out. People are out and out on all sides of the aisle. They are looking for a reason to be offended. They are looking for a reason to believe themselves on some level of higher ground than everybody else. And that's on both sides, and on many different issues. We would be so much better off if we all shut up half the time, that includes social media, and actually tried to listen to one another. And when points are made that are bad, you argue them. But you argue them with respect, Jeff and I, we don't agree on everything politically. There's no way we do. As a matter of fact, I know we don't. But at the same time, when we disagree... (laughs) Yeah, and when we disagree, though, we disagree respectfully, and we walk away and still you know, care about each other in that way. That's something that has been lost in this society, and it's coming more and more mainstream because people seem to live their lives based on the ebbs and flows and trends of social media, which is, again... Why I want my president to be doing more than inflaming and stoking flames about the NFL every single morning, and it's why I want other people on the other side of the aisle to be doing more than the exact thing that they hate Trump for doing on their side.
4: Oh man, we're going down this rabbit hole again, aren't we? So look,
3: no, I think we're about talk about the
4: the, talk about the the um, the pregame shows, right? Okay, ESPN has Sam Ponder leading their countdown show. She is as right as they come. Rex yep. Ryan openly endorsed Donald Trump. Um so I don't know what you're talking about. Do you think, you know, Terry Bradshaw and Jimmy Johnson on Fox I assu- I will assume, I don't know this for a fact. I I will assume that they voted for Trump as well. Like it's the reason why the pregame shows talked about it is because the president brought it into the limelight. You have when when the when the president talks about the NFL, it's a story. It has to be talked about. Like you're complaining about the the pregame shows talking about this When it's the president who's bringing it to the pregame shows, it would be it would be irresponsible for a pregame show to not cover the president's remarks on the NFL. It'd be irresponsible of them to do that. So you're blaming the the the, the shows for reacting to what the president is saying. That's their job. Their job is to do that. Uh, so look, you you can be upset at the pregame shows, uh, whatever. I don't watch them, so I don't know. I look, I have a feeling. I have a pretty strong feeling. CBS does not talk politics because I there. If you look at CBS's network, all their people they don't tweet about politics. They never talk about politics. Fox obviously will have some more of that. ESPN has some people doing that, but I have not seen a pregame show outside of when Donald Trump tweets about the NFL openly talk about politics. Now, they might talk about Colin Kaepernick because that is a story. It's not as much of a story as the season has gone on, but the, but they begin of the season, is, it is a story. He's suing the NFL. It's a story. Um, so, I, I don't... Have, have you seen and, and you don't watch this, I haven't seen a clip of anyone going out of their way to talk about politics on the show when it's not related to what Donald Trump has said, a Colin Kaepernick lawsuit, why Colin Kaepernick is not playing. I haven't seen them go, go out of the way to do that. So um, I, we are overblowing the situation. We've talked about this. There's no nuance anymore. Um, and if you want to look at a person who's brought this to the national attention, again, it's not the NFL players. I'll tell you that. It's the guy in the White House. So you can be upset with NFL players or you can be upset with, with, with pregame shows. But when the president is tweeting about the NFL every single morning, it becomes national news.
3: Right. Now, the one the one thing that I would say is they do, they certainly talk about that stuff because it's an issue, but they definitely did not go out of their way to talk about Michael Bennett when it certainly came to pass that what he said in Vegas wasn't true.
4: So, right. Well, that's, that is that's, fair as well.
3: Yeah. Now, I think that if you're going to talk about Trump in that way or you're going to use that because it's a story, the Michael Bennett thing's a story too, and virtually nobody talked about it. NBC Sunday night did a couple of things on it. You never saw ESPN pick that up on any of the opinion shows in the afternoon once the truth actually came out about that story. That, to me, is a problem. The, but I do agree. I think all these these pregame shows in particular are just trying to be vanilla shows. They're not trying to stoke controversy. No. Maybe they'll argue a little <laughs> bit about who the best quarterback in the league is, but they're generally designed to make you want to see the product because the product is on the right. network. So why would you talk about politics for an hour on the Fox NFL Sunday pregame show, anger people and then say, "Oh, by the way, this league that you may now hate, uh, could you sit here and watch this for the next seven hours? We need your especially, advertising
4: dollars, especially for the one o'clock games that typically aren't very good. So you, so you want people to watch your pregame show? And by the way, the ratings were actually up after Trump made his comments. Like it, people wanted to see what what people were going to say. Now they've gone back down again. Um, you know, I think for ESPN missing. Chris Berman has been an issue. I think people really like to watch because of Chris Berman. I I haven't watched, honestly, really one second of the new show, but I know ratings are down there. I think that's partly because Berman's gone. I've I've seen some things um, talked and said about that. So, um, you know, I think that TV is down in general, and... The NFL for so long, and Mark Cuban predicted this, that that the that, that NFL eventually would, would go back down and come down to earth, and it has. And it's okay. Um, the NFL's still making a ton of money. Uh, guys are getting paid. Owners are making money. Um, and look, the ratings are down a little bit. People aren't upset with NFL. The, in five years, this will be a non-story. It's whatever. I mean, like, it, it's... it's. I'm not worried at all about the say the NFL, by the way. I'm more worried about CTE being a problem yeah, in the NFL be. um, because that is where moms are involved do um, you have less enrollment in youth football? I think eventually we'll get to somewhere where there is no youth football because I've seen some of these Pop Warner games before. I'm not even on TV. I've been to a couple of them. Man, these kids can't control their bodies. They're hitting their heads um, against each other without controlling their bodies. So um, I didn't play till high school. My son won't play till high school if he decides he wants to play football. Um, I think we're eventually going to move to starting in high school, which is fine with me, like I said, but the quality of play will continue to go down um, as long as we take away practices, which is which is gonna happen it's part of it um so that, that's that worries me more than the kneeling issue does The is CTE of players deciding to not play football um, there'll always be players to they'll always find someone to play the sport but maybe the quality of, of athlete and 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 professional will go down because not everyone is running to play football anymore so there is that. We're
3: going to close that topic now. Our telephone number, by the Please. way, is 877-996-6369, 877-99 on Fox. We talked a lot about the, the uh, Cowboys. Haven't talked a lot about the Chargers, and we will do that after this. First, we got to go to Ralph Irvin. He's in the Update Studio. Find out about the latest. Ralph, what's up?
0: Well, thank you very much. And when you talk about uh, the Chargers on Thanksgiving, that was quite a performance from L.A. as they took out Dallas 28-6. Philip Rivers, 434 yards, passing three touchdowns in that game. In the nightcap, Washington and New York, not exactly a thrilling game, but uh, when it came down to crunch time, the Redskins got it done. Kirk, play action. Wheels going end zone left side. Touchdown! Josh Doxon with the catch. Great catch by Doxon. And the Redskins take the lead with 3.31 to go. That made it 17-10. They would add another field goal again. 10 points in the final 3.31 of the game. New York only accounting for 170 yards of total offense in that matchup. Earlier in the day, Minnesota was a 30-23 winner at Detroit. Case Keenum, three touchdowns for the matchup. Ole Miss, they had an upset win to finish out their 2017 season, beating number 14 Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl, 31-28 the final score. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. New or used? Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident Car buying experience on the college hardwood SMU with the second upset in as many days for number two Arizona 66 to 60. The Wildcats again back to back losses this week, and the same goes for number 18 Purdue. They lost to Western Kentucky 77 73.
3: Thank you, Ralph. That's Ralph Irvin out there in Los Angeles. We are in the OutKick studios presented by Geico. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Jeff Schwartz is in Charlotte. I am in Nashville. I'm Jason Martin. Clay Travis will be back with us on Monday, obviously, as he's down in Naples, Florida with his family for the holidays. And the Chargers. We haven't talked a lot about the Chargers.
0: Go Chargers! Go! (laughs)
3: <laughs> I can tell you that Nick Wright, not that Nick Wright. Nick Wright is handling Danny G's duties here today. The more popular, He's and a talented big Nick guy. Wright. Jason, yes. yes, by far, definitely the more likable <laughs> Nick Wright. No offense, uh, Nick Wright, Chargers fan. That had to be fun for you yesterday. That was like vintage Philip Rivers. I, I went to NC State, attended it for two years, ninety seven and ninety eight, uh, and you know I've always kind of had a soft spot in my heart for Philip Rivers, despite the fact that he plays in my division with the Denver Broncos. But that 434 yards and three touchdowns, had control of the offense, had that press conference after the game that you like to see where Phillip Rivers says we should be a couple of games up in the wild card, but we're not, so there's a lot of work to be done. Chargers look to be pretty good right now. you got to be feeling pretty good about yourself.
5: You know, vintage Phillip Rivers finally showed up this season. And you guys guys know, I, I said yesterday, I'm such a cynic when it comes to the Chargers. You know, when they botched two, you know, Nick Novak missed a field goal in the first quarter, right? And then the next time they had a drive and they're driving down, Anthony Lynn, I know Nick Novak got hurt, but Anthony Lynn in fourth and thirteen had a ridiculous play call. And it it ended up in nothing. So anyway, I just kept waiting and waiting and waiting for the Chargers to somehow write their own script, mess up the game, but it didn't happen. They they Dak Prescott was lost the entire game, and Philip Rivers finally had a great game. And you know, it was fun because half of you know I was at Thanksgiving dinner, half my family was kind of Cowboys fans, a couple Chargers fans. So, yeah, it was a great time. And, you know, you got the Browns next week. So my inner Chargers cynic is like, hey, it's a great win, but watch them lose to the Browns next week.
3: Probably a side <laughs> eye coming from Mike Mayer who's sitting next to Nick Wright out in Los just Angeles keep, Just keep, fan. Just keep
2: poking the bear, man. You, you know what's coming. It's, uh, the Browns are going to lose. It's like, hey. Yeah. I, I, I keep trying to tell him, guys, that, like, hey – If this were like a Sunday to Sunday thing and you didn't have ten days to prepare and you're at home, yes, that's not that big of a home field advantage. But let's get real. The Browns aren't gonna win that game. They're not gonna win (laughs) that. I'm 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 I I get Nick because he's a big cynic about the uh, about the Chargers. I'm a big cynic last year. And it's like, hey, I've been trying to be the 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 optimistic guy about the Browns, but it's hard to do that when you're one in twenty-five with this new regime of Sashi Brown running the front office, with as I call them the geek squad, and then you've got Hugh Jackson trying to figure out what he's got as a coach. It's just it's it's hard. It's hard to be optimistic about the Cleveland Browns right now.
3: Jeff, the Chargers are five and six. The remainder of their schedule at Cleveland, or pardon me, home for Cleveland in Los Angeles. Then they well, bring it's in really the Redskins. Almost skins.
4: like it's at Cleveland.
3: Yeah, I guess that's true, yeah. So they're playing Cleveland, then they play Washington. Then they go to Kansas City, to the Jets, and finish off the season against the Oakland Raiders. I think, looking at them, I picked them as the team that I thought would make the wild card when everything started to fall because some of these other A- – look, nobody in the AFC is particularly good outside of those top two teams. I guess now I guess I'll begrudgingly accept that the Chiefs are not quite to the par anymore. Maybe they can still find it. There's time. For them to get good again and to be okay by the end of the season but they're certainly struggling now but you look at the chargers in that schedule five and six they really similar to the lions they have it within them i think to win most of those games maybe four of those games i don't think they will run the table and end up ten and six but i think a nine and seven chargers team is in the playoffs anyway especially if they're playing well it's not not the kind of team with that defense that pass rush and a quarterback that certainly can get hot and a running attack that from time to time can really show up. Melvin Gordon didn't have a great day yesterday and hasn't played as well over the last few weeks, but he's certainly had a pretty good season. So you look at that team, that's not necessarily a team that you'd want to see in the playoffs if they do, in fact, stay hot down the stretch.
4: I'm disappointed that they're in L.A. now because you can't play the San Diego Supercharger song. So when they score a touchdown, do they just not play the song anymore?
3: I mean, nobody's watching those games. like Nobody's in the seats. So, I mean, you don't really have to play... <laughs> <laughs> any songs
4: like it's basically like an empty Either arena least, wrestling i'll tell you match. what though when, when we played there in 2013 with the chiefs we played week 17 and the chargers were were, were out of it and we were basically we had a, a fifth seed locked up that place had a lot of chiefs fans in San it was it was pretty fun there you go
3: that's a great song Not too bad Amazing. so another thing to say about the chargers and i'll let nick mention nick say something about this as well i think it's time to to come to grips with the fact that a healthy Keenan Allen is one of the more underrated players in the NFL. Absolutely. Keenan Allen, who had a fantastic day yesterday, he's killed fantasy teams for me in the past just because he hasn't been able to stay healthy. But when that dude is healthy, Keenan Allen is a dude nobody ever talks about that does nothing but make plays, catch footballs, and help his team win football games.
5: I mean, he killed, I mean, I'm I'm fine with it, but he killed my fantasy team, but I'm okay with it because the Chargers won, but that dude is a beast. It's all about if he can stay healthy, which is a huge,
3: huge, huge. if because he hasn't so far every single yeah. year. But, Jeff, when you see Keenan Allen, that dude's a stud. If he had been able to stay healthy, I would have loved to have seen his numbers for his entire career at this stage, but that is a really tough cover for just about anybody that has to go a one-on-one against him.
4: Yeah, he played my brother at Cal. So I've known about Keenan Allen for a while now. Yeah, he's been really beat up and, and when he's had the opportunity to play, he's a really good football player. And you saw even Williams last night got in the action. He's been back now from that back injury. Um and you know, they they have their full complement and, and Gates is still still playing well. Now Hunt with Hunter's the new tight end, right? He had a touchdown last night as well. Um you know, Philip Rivers has. I've always admired Philip Rivers for being able to stand the pocket Throw the ball. If you look, he's oh, he never leaves the pocket. He just stands as high as can be in there, chucks the ball around. Um, he's got competitive attitude. And, yeah, sometimes it looks like he's whining at times and it pisses people off. But, dude, 27 so to Tim for 434 is a great day. Yeah.
3: I mean, he, he gets accused of whining, but Tim Duncan whined. He never committed a foul in his entire career, and he's seen as an elder statesman in the NBA pretty much as one of the classiest guys in that oh. league. Phillip Rivers who also never uses profanity.
4: He does as not well. he wears bolos. Uh that was actually Tyrell Williams, not Mike Williams, who scored a touchdown yesterday. But you know, even look at the video from yesterday, I mean Keenan Allen makes two guys miss, three, four guys miss, five guys miss. Um, you know, he makes five guys miss and it looks like, you know, he's playing a different a different uh, uh uh speed level than the Cowboys defenders are playing. And so it was um you know, if he can stay healthy, I look the Chargers the Chargers with Rivers are always going to be competitive in a game, I think. Um, you know, whether they win or not, you know, they have a lot of Charger games where they, where they end up losing, but I trust Rivers to at least be competitive every game, if that makes sense. And so the Chargers, to me, I think have a legit chance to make that sixth wild card spot in the AFC.
3: I think they do, too. Let's take a break. We'll come back on the other side. What have we not done over the last two days that we should have done? Oh, yeah. Animal Thunderdome. It's next. This is Outkick the Coverage with Jay Martin Jeff on Fox Sports Radio. It's always bothered me because I've always been able to hear the snare from the beginning. Why Eminem always asks, Where's my <laughs> snare in cleaning out my closet? This is Outkick the Coverage. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico, go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on your car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote clay travis is back on monday i'm his executive producer jason martin in with jeff schwartz who played in the nfl for eight years on the offensive line he is live down in charlotte with us for the next hour and 10 minutes and one thing that he loves doing on this show when he's on i love doing all the time clay loves doing everybody in la loves all of you love it's time for the animal thunderdome
0: Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls.
1: I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying time's here. I had a bullet constrictor stuck to my face. And you have a what?
4: This is Animal Thunderdome.
3: Jeff, I don't know if you have any stories, but I've got a few. One in South Carolina, Boiling Springs, South Carolina, which is near Greenville and Spartanburg, where I lived for yep. several years. She posted on Facebook on Saturday night, not 1, not 2, not 3, not 4, but 5 bears hanging out on her not porch.
2: Two, not 3, <laughs> not 4, not
3: 5. That's solid work from LA right there. Understanding exactly what I was asking for and I didn't even have to ask him during the break. 5 black bears on the front porch and she tweets out or she sends this Facebook post out saying that all the bears were fearful of her as they were or as she was of them, so they ended up running away. The idea that you look out your front window in Boiling Springs, South Carolina, and there are five black bears on your front porch—got uh, might be about time <laughs> to move,
4: right? If I, if, if one of those bears made it up to Charlotte and was on my back porch, I'd probably think it was quite—it was quite odd. I look—I don't really. That story to me doesn't scare me. Like the, like the snake story, the snake story, the snake stories scare me. Um, but bears just stay inside and just they'll run away.
3: Well, there are always weird stories. There are. There's a python that ate a giant iguana that we could talk about, but I really don't want to, ugh. quite frankly, snakes just like
4: I hate them so like, much. Ugh.
3: Ugh. How about a camel escaping in Ohio from a yard and then wandering <laughs> through town? I'm not yes. talking about I'm talking where, about a, a camel, was, Jeff.
4: Where was that at? It was in a in a, in a big city, right? Toledo. Where, a camel a named camel in the Scooby
3: escaped from a Toledo, Ohio yard and then wandered through the suburbs of Toledo for about an hour and a half. It was about a year year and a half old camel. It caused what they consider minor <laughs> traffic delays. I can imagine so. There were no wise men. There was no gold, frankincense, and myrrh on these camels. But when you're in Ohio, you don't expect to just see a dromedary wandering around right. your town.
4: When so, like when you know, animal control probably gets you know they get trained on on obviously dogs, cats, maybe a horse, maybe a cow if it gets loose from a pasture. Do you think when I got the call for a loose camel, what do you think? They, what do you think they thought? They're gonna, they're gonna, like, what are they gonna do to it? Like just, just guide it back home? I, it's ridiculous.
3: I'm trying to think. I don't think I've ever even seen a camel in person. Like, even at the zoo, I'm not sure I've ever seen a camel. I haven't been to the zoo uh, since middle school, maybe, or maybe even elementary school. Wait, till
4: you have kids? dude. I'll tell you what. There's a There's a Charlotte has a, a like a a farm um, out in in the sticks. And it, you you get on a wagon and you drive through the animals and dude it's a ton of fun I'll tell you that I went with my son for his two year old birthday like they have ostriches which are scary looking dudes and yeah a bunch they're of, mean um, too uh, yeah they are they have a bunch of uh, you know like uh, deer looking animals I forget the names they're not deer, deer? though um, no 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 they're not deer no no Elk? they weren't deer. moose um, no 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 and they come up to your you know to your wagon they eat they eat out of your hand they eat out of the bolt, they had giraffes it would come like they would come out of the sky and into the cart they had water buffalo a ton of fun i'll tell you that i have been in zoo forever i had a lot of fun yeah i was a lot of of the, that... i was scared of the ostriches though they they they're, they're, they're yeah, like you be. looking.
3: they're very ornery that's another o word here's another weird story a young bull was born in china this week lives to be well i guess it i guess it was a couple of weeks ago it's normal and healthy despite the fact that there's an extra leg growing out of the animal's back what? there's a photo of this a young bull just flat out has a leg coming out of its back like it has its usual four legs and then it's got a fifth leg coming out of its back other than that it's perfectly normal oh, the bull's owner is. quote the extra leg does not appear to be causing it any health problems or discomfort
4: no but way. i'll bet Look you it's it.
3: not going to the club without a hoodie
4: it's a it's a it's a it's a baby leg too it's not even a full-size leg how is that oh my possible? God, look at this thing.
3: Yeah, no, I Mute mean it's, this is great radio, Jeff. To say look at this his thing. Back.
4: Dude, he looks, he looks kind of, he looks kind of friendly. Hey, buddy, there's a little, this little mean, leg sticking out. Oh my god, <laughs> it's amazing. He's always what if waving it's, at does you. Does it move? What? He's
3: always waving at you because it he's it got move? the extra leg. I don't know. I, I didn't watch the video. Guys out in L.A. Bull with an extra leg growing out of its back. What's happening in this in this uh, society? I'm looking up right now. I need to know what the hell you guys are talking about.
2: Uh, it, well, uh, it looks I'm going like to take a flaps. look at this too like to see flaps. what the heck is going on. This is uh, it just sounds weird.
4: has it. it. Just flaps. It just kind of flaps there when he runs. I don't think. It, I don't think it moves independently.
3: Like I don't know that we need to be fearful of that bull. But maybe we need to engage in prayer for that bull. He's going to have China's going to put mating. it on a
4: pedestal. You know, China's going to like worship You're it.
3: Probably right probably right all right we got one more hour to go we'll get through the nfl games again and get you set for a big weekend in college football all that's still to come outkick the coverage final hour of the week here on outkick the coverage we've had a fun one jeff schwartz has been with me jason martin over the last two days and certainly here for the final hour Today, we're live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. All you got to do, it really couldn't be easier, folks. Hit up their website, geico.com, and you can get yourself a free rate quote. Three games in the NFL yesterday, two that were certainly interesting. The third, other than a pick six, really, the I don't think anybody really believed that the Giants were going to win, despite the fact that their other two wins have come against teams that, at the time, people believed to be okay Denver fell off a cliff, and Kansas City is in the process okay, of. Jason. Yeah, I know they are, and there's time for them to get back on the winning path. I haven't given up on Alex Smith yet. I have not. I still. I'm trying to figure out why Kareem Hunt is not running the ball more often, like why he's not getting more carries in the game. And the defense certainly. They lose Eric Berry in the first game of the season, and that hurts them tremendously. But they still got a lot of talent on that side of the ball. And now the Darrell Revis experiment, which we discussed yesterday, he's there. I don't know exactly – I guess maybe you can talk to Mitch and find out how that's going over the next few weeks and, and let us know when you come back on the show in your weekly spots on Wednesdays. But I'm at least intrigued to see whether or not, one, Revis has anything left and, two, what he can actually give this team.
4: Well, the, the point of signing Revis obviously was to see what he has left. But you know, if he well, yeah. can solidify one side and Marcus Peters is on the other side, it will allow the Chiefs to bring more run support in the middle of the field they are lacking in run defense, they're lacking in pass rush as well. So if you have two lockdown corners, you're able to bring a lot more pressure because you trust those guys to be alone. You can bring safety pressure, you can do things like that. And if Revis can play at all, and he's got down, uh, he said he's got down to his weight. He was at when he was most successful, which was good. But from a business perspective, this is awesome for Revis. He's gonna get himself another year towards 401k, another year towards pension. He's made a lot of money in the NFL, doesn't matter. You still wanna obviously try to get as much as you can in retirement and another year for insurance because we only get insurance uh, for five years when after we're done playing. So another year of insurance, all these things that obviously roll over. So from a business perspective, it's good for Revis to do this. From a football perspective, it makes sense for the Chiefs. Give it a try. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, you don't really how – you're not giving him guaranteed money. You're not losing anything. If if he doesn't play well, obviously, you know, if it doesn't play well, you just go back to games who you had. So the Chiefs' issues, though, on offense obviously won't be fixed with Revis. Uh, they need to get back to be more creative and they need to find ways to beat cover two, which has been a problem for them. Cover two takes away a lot of your wide receiver options because you have two safeties back there and they're doubling Kelsey a lot, which is one of Alex's favorite targets. They have to run the ball better to get out of cover two and find ways to be more creative. They've kind of got stagnant on offense. So they play the Bills this weekend. Tyrod Taylor's back. Uh, I expect the Chiefs to win at home.
3: Who's to blame for the vanilla side of the offense that has certainly has kind of crept up As this season's gone along, you talk about cover two being a problem and not being able to use Kelsey down the field. Tyreek Hill hasn't necessarily been blowing up as he is wont to do or was earlier in the season. Kareem Hunt has really just not been carrying the football that much. I know he had one game where he only had nine carries in the entire football game, which seems to be not a very good recipe at all if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan for a victory. But who do you put the most of the onus on when you look at the condition and the stagnancy of this Chiefs offense?
4: I think it does start a little bit with Andy Reid. They they have run the ball two hundred thirty three times. Excuse me. They have called two hundred thirty three runs, and they've called four hundred and four passes. That's a problem Um, when you have to when you have to throw that much on a winning team. For example, New Orleans is like three seventy five and three hundred. The the Vikings the gap is even closer, and Andy Reid has never liked to run the football. But you have a good running back. You ran the ball really well to start the season. They were leading the league in rushing, and they were 20th in rush attempts. They were hitting a lot of big chunk plays. So for them, they need to get back to pushing the ball downfield, which will happen when teams get out of cover, two. so you have to run the ball. They ran a lot of those college-type power shovel read plays Start the season. They scored a bunch of them against the Patriots and kept it going throughout the first couple of weeks, and now teams are really eyeing that. They threw an interception on Sunday against the Giants in one of those plays where it it bounced off JPP and and Snacks Harrison caught it. And you got a fumble. So I put a little bit on the coaching staff, a little bit on Alex for not pushing the ball downfield like he did the first five weeks of the season. The offensive line is back now. They're healthy. They ran the ball decently well against the Giants actually and they should have run the ball even more. And I'll give you a great example of what I'm talking about in play calling. So the the game is tied nine to nine uh with six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Chiefs get the ball at about the twenty yard line of of the, of the of the of the of you know their twenty yard line to drive down the field and try to take the lead. They run the ball for 12 yards the first play. Huge hole in the middle. Kareem Hunt up the middle, 12 yards. Next play, they throw the ball. They should have run the ball again. If you watch a game last night, Washington would get seven yards. They run it again, get eight yards, run it again, get six yards, right, set up a play-action pass. The Chiefs should have kept running the ball. The next play was that ill-advised throwback to Kelsey who threw the ball downfield for a 60-yard interception. Yeah. Just not good play calling. And Andy Reid's better than that. I've been there. I like Andy Reid. My brother's there now. So that type of play calling... It seems to make no sense in that situation. So if they clean that up, run the ball a little bit more, like get, you know, get Alex back to throwing the ball deep a little bit, they'll be fine.
3: A team that is very much more than fine right now, the Minnesota Vikings. They go to Detroit after just crushing the Rams, although they had to pull away late. But they held the Rams in that high-powered offense with Sean McVay to only seven points in that football game. Yesterday, they go against Matt Stafford, who always plays well on Thanksgiving and has been on a tear. The Lions need that game. They've got it at home They've got it on Thanksgiving, and the Vikings still win it 30-23. to Case Keenum with two touchdown passes, both to his tight end Kyle Rudolph, Latavius Murray, 84 yards on the ground. That defense making plays all over the place. The Vikings, folks, are really good. This is a nine-win football team that the more you watch them, like I've been reticent to buy in, and I think it's the Case Keenum effect. You see Case Keenum, and you know that dude has been on other teams and has done nothing. Well, apparently he's pretty good, or he is in this situation, because they're playing to his strengths. He is being smart. He's not making bad decisions out there. He did get sacked twice yesterday, but that only means three in his last six games. So the offensive line is protecting him. Even though Detroit may well make the playoffs, but it's going to be tough because it's the NFC, the Vikings are a team that you look at right now and you say, this team can win. This team's got everything that you need—not just to win football games, but to win football games in January. Jeff,
4: I agree with that. And their formula for winning games in January is—is is what good teams do. They run the football, play great defense. Case Keenum hits play-action passes. Thielen's able to catch the ball and run downfield. Obviously, yards after catch is huge. He's done a great job with that. And they're just—they found a comfortable rhythm with the play calling with Keenum. It makes me wonder if you know what if Keenum had Sean McVay last year. I you know kind of fascinating to 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 find out maybe uh, you know in the Rams last year it was all Fisher and wasn't it wasn't the quarterback situation mm-hmm. right. cause obviously Golf played terribly and Keenum played terribly and look at Golf this year look at Keenum with a real offensive coordinator so. Um, you know, maybe he's in the right situation now. They finally, their West Coast offense, so the ball's out quick. It's good. It's timing routes. Boom, boom, boom. Um, some play-action pass, some run game, obviously. Um, we give credit to Keenum and to Thielen and the offensive line and the running backs. But credit's due to Pat Shermer, an off- you know, offensive coordinator who's got full uh, autonomy of the offense, obviously, with Mike Zimmer being a defensive coach. Um, he's done a fantastic job. My brother played with him in Cleveland. Uh, he likes the system there. It's a true West Coast offense. Like Andy Reid, like Doug Peterson's going to run. Um, timing routes, uh, quick run game, a lot of outside zone, inside zone, things like that, Um, and the Vikings have picked it up. And then defensively, look, I I think for some reason, Everson Griffin, the defensive end, is underrated. Uh, He's a 4-3 defensive end, so he plays every play, plays against the run every play, has his hand in the dirt all the time. All he does is make plays, get sacks, uh, stop! You know tackles for loss. You have Hunter on the other side. You have Anthony Bart, linebacker, Linville Joseph in the middle, Harrison Smith, Xavier. Rose. You have all these guys on defense. They built a great defense, great young defense. Um, and you have to feel good. And, and I think out of all the years we've seen Super Bowl um, locations, this might be the first year where there's actually consideration that the host city will have their team in the Super Bowl. I mean, I think we could realistically see a situation where Minnesota is playing in Minneapolis in the Super Bowl.
3: Jeff, we do something called Top 5, Bottom 5 that I created on this show where we talk to, we rank the top five teams in the NFL and the bottom five teams in the NFL and we usually do it the day after Monday Night Football. And we've got you here today. We're not going to worry about the bottom five because who really cares, uh, the dumpster dwellers. And we'll bring in the guys out in L.A. here as well. The reason I ask this question is because so many people have been so slow to get on this Vikings train. When you look at the NFL right now, where would you put if you did a power rankings? Where would you have the Vikings slotted? They've obviously been growing week by week. More people have embraced it and thought, okay, maybe this is real. This is not Fool's gold. This Vikings team is absolutely legitimate. But if you had to slot them right now, where would you put them in the NFC? Where would you put them in the NFL?
4: It's a good question. Um, the The Steelers and Vikings played already, and the Steelers won that game. Um, that was without Keenum or that was Keenum's that was Bradford played that game right if I recall, yeah, I believe um, that's right
3: I'll look it up but yeah, that was no, I think that was right.
4: really yeah. early in the year that was week two um you know, I think that you you have to go with where would I rank them or would they be in the top five? Well, here's if you
3: can if, give me a number that's great, but I mean if you were to look in the in the nFC they're obviously top five
4: here's but here's where would thing, you I, have it, them
3: third would you probably have them like, third behind Philadelphia and New Orleans? NFC. far would you have them higher than that?
4: Well, I think overall, I would go with the Patriots and the Steelers because I trust their quarterbacks. They've been in the situation before. I think it's very important, uh, your quarterback play in the postseason. We've seen now uh, as we get in this really dominant era of quarterbacks, even last year, 12 playoff games, 11 times the best quarterback won and the only one you can disagree with, and it could be 12 out of 12, was Matt Ryan beat Aaron Rodgers. And last year, Matt Ryan was the better quarterback um, and so you could be 12 out of 12, the, the better quarterback one. So if you look at at where we're at right now, you have to, I think, New England, Pittsburgh, and then probably the Eagles, the Vikings, and the Saints. I mean, the Saints have have won close games recently. They just haven't been as dominant, I would say. Um, you know, they came back against the Redskins late. They dominated the Bills. The Bucks game, they won 30-10, but, you know, it was kind of close for a little bit. Struggled against the Bears a little bit. Beat the Packers. You know, gave it thirty-eight to the Lions, but scored fifty-two. So I think the Vikings right now are playing a little bit more complete than the Saints second. are. So probably I put them fourth.
3: Okay, so you've got them fourth and second in the NFC, and you've got the yes, two AFC I, teams up top because of Brady yeah, I just, and Roethlisberger.
4: Yeah, I, you know, it's it's always going to be hard for me to say that the you know the Eagle. And plus, I think if if any of these three NFC teams were to play those two teams, the two AFC teams would be favored. In neutral field
3: I think that's interesting I I would like to see what it would look like with Eagles and Steelers I've picked the Steelers to go to the Super Bowl this year but I also picked the Cowboys and that was right before Zeke got suspended and as we turn to talk about the Cowboys here in a little bit uh, that's not going to be the case so I'll go ahead and admit that I, I was wrong on that prediction before we get to break guys out in LA where would you have the Vikings slotted if you were looking across the NFL, do you agree with Jeff? Do you agree with me? Where where do you see them right now?
5: Uh, I got them. I got them fifth. You know, I'm not going to put them above the Patriots, Eagles, Saints. You know, uh, and even um and and even um the Steelers too. And what's the common theme that even Jeff touched on? Elite quarterbacks. I mean, Case mm-hmm. keenan has been playing great, and Carson Wentz is still a rookie, but he's looking really good. Um, you know, they're playing good, but again, didn't the Viking weren't the Vikings six and zero last year and just laid an egg? So I know they look good right now, but with the Vikings, I don't trust them yet.
2: For me, okay. guys, for me, guys, what what it comes down to is who's playing the best ball right now. So I, I go with Brady and the Patriots up at the top. Wentz and the Eagles, like you can interchange those two because those two teams are playing better than anybody. I got the Steelers at four just because they're so inconsistent. You just don't know which Steelers team is going to show up. They went to Indy and they laid an egg for three quarters, and they had to pull that one out. And then they go up and score 40 against the Titans the other the other night, like about 10 days ago. And then who knows what's going to happen on Sunday Night Football against the Packers. So I got the Vikings at three just because they've been so consistent. Their defense is playing well, and they're getting good production out of Case Keenum. They're getting enough out of him where you don't have to even have that sneaky feeling that, hey, maybe we should go to Teddy Bridgewater. So right now I've got them at three.
3: And another guy that doesn't get near the run that he does as we go to break, something to think about. We talked about this in the first hour. It's a good reason to uh, download and subscribe to the Outkick, the coverage podcast, which over a million of you are doing easily each month, and we appreciate that so much. Another reason to be thankful on this Thanksgiving week. The league lead in NFL sacks, that belongs to Everson Griffin. He plays for the Minnesota Vikings. He has 12 sacks on this season. Maybe we'll talk more about him on the other side. We will definitely... Jump back into this Dak Prescott, Jason Garrett, Cowboys falling off a cliff discussion next as well. Plus, some college football. The Iron Bowl is tomorrow. Boy, is that a huge football game. And as an Alabama fan, I am sweating bullets here in Nashville, despite the fact that it's barely 30 degrees outside. We'll be right back. This is Outkick the Coverage with J. Martin Jeff on Fox Sports Radio. It's Outkick the Coverage. It's Fox Sports Radio. It's Warren G. Handy with the steel, if you know what I mean. 15 minutes to save you 15% or more on car insurance. That's what Geico's handy with. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Clay's back on Monday. I'm Jason Martin, executive producer of this fine radio program. On Twitter, at jmartoutkick. Joined by Jeff Schwartz. He's down in Charlotte. G-E-O-F-F if you want to find him on Twitter. He does have his last name there, too. You have to put in Jeff Schwartz, but you spell it with a G. So, yeah. Warren G, man. This is the second time we've heard this this week. Every time this song comes on, I just want to sit back for about four and a half minutes and think back to the mid-90s and just a great record, an underrated hip-hop record that you could listen to pretty much from start to finish, which is the ideal goal. And there are so few albums these days I would say that you can do that too. back in the 90s Dre and Snoop and then Chronic 2001 and even the game's first uh, CD, the documentary that came out after the turn of the century, 50 Cent's first album. There were some examples of some great stuff. Enter the 36 Chambers from the Wu-Tang Clan, Reasonable Doubt from Jay-Z. There was a lot of really great stuff. Nowadays, it's like, I don't know, one out of every... 50 albums is something that you're not skipping half the album to get through the only thing that's changed now is we don't have the skits anymore that used to be all over these records we heard cleaning out my closet earlier eminem another example of a guy that you could go start to back with but i heard you laughing in the background jeff what was that all about
4: when you mentioned putting in work with the steel i figure that you are not you have not put in a lot of work with some with steel that's why just laughing at that okay. out of all well i don't close, think out, i said I'm not handy with the steel. Out of all things to quote there, that was funny for you to do that, handy with the steel. Okay, well, it was
3: was right after he finished talking, leave me alone. That's Jeff Schwartz again. He was on the offensive line for eight years.
4: Picturing you doing work with some steel is just funny. Is it.
3: You don't believe I'm into manual labor? Or are you talking Uh, about guns uh, in general?
4: I'm talking about guns in general. I like shooting guns. I'm just saying I just... The, the way the way the song is and i know the song and the way you talked about it just was funny to me <laughs> okay
3: gotcha anyway there's a lot of college football on today it actually begins at 11:30 a.m eastern time western michigan and toledo the big matchup to pay attention to today as it pertains to the top four is miami traveling to pittsburgh at noon that game's going to be on abc live from heinz field it's not that Pittsburgh's some kind of great team, but this is a weird matchup. You're going to a cold place. You're Miami. You're going to a cold place on on a Friday to play at noon. And Miami or kind of struggled turfer, out of too. the gate. Yeah, exactly. Really bad turf. So you've got a situation where Miami did not play particularly well against Virginia, had to come back and win that game. The score indicated something that really didn't match what you saw on the field for at least two and a half quarters of that football game. I'm at least going to be paying attention to that. I mean, Miami obviously should win it, but that's just an interesting, I don't know, something about playing football on a Friday in cold weather when you're the Miami Hurricanes and you're doing it at noon. It's just sort of weird. That's the kind of stuff that can trip teams up. So there's that. There's a couple of other interesting games later on the day. There's an SEC game on CBS that, I mean, I don't know why anybody's watching Missouri at Arkansas. But people will watch Missouri at Arkansas. If you want a reason to watch it, watch it for Drew Locke, the quarterback at Missouri, who's a fantastic football player. Could be Brett Beal in the swan song. Probably is his swan song, as a matter of fact, uh, in Arkansas. Virginia Tech at Virginia tonight. And then West Coast, we talked to UCLA and Chip Kelly and what might happen there. There's really not been any new news there. Just that probably by the end of the week we'll know whether or not he's going to go to UCLA or go to Florida. Well, UCLA and Josh Rosen hosting Cal... Tonight on FS1 at the Rose Bowl, Jeff.
4: Pac-12 after dark, baby. Winner of this game goes to the Emerald Bowl, at six and six. It doesn't get any bigger. It doesn't get any bigger out west. Okay. <laughs> UCLA for the Emerald Bowl or Sun Bowl, or some, <laughs> some some cr- some crummy bowl that Pac-12 is associated with. It's terrible. <laughs> we have t- terrible bowl matchups. Like we play just you know we play the we play a level down. So if it's Pac-12 two, then we play like Big 3 or Pac twelve three, we play like SEC or ACC four or five in the Sun Bowl. It's a te- we have a terrible bowl matchup, but Cal UCLA tonight, both five and six. Winner goes to a bowl. How couldn't get more exciting on the West Coast? But I'm gonna watch um you know, today, obviously I think that I'll probably be glued to the TV. The Miami Pittsburgh game, I think it'll be ugly. It sounds like an ugly sort of situation game yep. with it's colder, the the turf in Pittsburgh is not the best. I think if you want to watch a lot of scoring at 3.30 on ABC is UCF and South Florida. Um, yeah, South Florida 9-1, and UCF 10-0 and with Scott Frost there as is, is the coach. Um, there are going to be a lot of points scored in that game. Um, if you want to take a nap, iowa and Nebraska's on at 4 o'clock. I'm going to go ahead and do that. Um, and I think obviously we know that the big game coming up uh, tomorrow is the Iron Bowl. It's funny you mentioned the 11.30 start of this game. So my wife is not a football fan, and uh, you know she just – even though she can catch knows, a
3: football, we saw the video.
4: She can catch a football, yes. I, I don't think people were st- looking at the catch so much in that video. Um, no, you're right. But but <laughs> so yesterday I'll she's like, it. I put so yesterday I don't care. So yesterday <laughs> um, I don't care. Uh, yesterday she uh, <laughs> put on football at twelve thirty. I'm like, babe, football is on thirty minutes earlier today, and it goes just as long as usual. And she was not happy about that. So, with Western Michigan Toledo going on at 11 30, minutes earlier than usual, you get a 30 minute bonus clip. And then, if you would like to stay up and watch pac 12 After Dark, the game will end at 2 o'clock. Yeah. No.
3: I'm sure. You ever sure stay I up and watch eat. like a
4: pac 12 After Dark game? Oh, yeah. Like they, they're entertaining at least.
3: Yeah. A lot of times they are very entertaining. I've even watched the ones back when I was on the East Coast and they're starting at 10.30 or yeah. something like that. Those games are those like, or those like old Mountain West tilts. We're like Utah State is playing at four in the morning live.
4: Yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah, completely well, out of control. Well, if you so if you if you have a Hawaii home game starts at like one a.m. Eastern. They play a night game there.
3: Yeah, if you want to see an yeah. ugly ugly game, watch Kansas travel to number nineteen Oklahoma State tomorrow, and see what Ooh. Mike Gundy does to Kansas. Like, if you want to see a murder on television <laughs> a legal murder that's what you're going to see in that game tomorrow the iron bowl is a big one georgia georgia tech may intriguing early there ohio state at michigan is the game i think michigan is going to get boat raced in that game probably even though it's at the big house so i guess you never know you can throw the record books out in those games yeah. as i say wisconsin travels to minnesota that's not a bad football team wisconsin a 98 percent chance of making the college football playoff if they win out and I think that's undercutting them if they lose to Minnesota that number drops to 8. If they <laughs> lose to Minnesota they have an 8% chance of making the college football playoff well, and I think that number might be inflated as I'm losing my voice more and more as we continue.
4: They're trying to find a way to keep Wisconsin out of the playoff. If they lose uh, obviously this weekend that'll be uh, the end of it. You know, the, a lot of these rivalry games, you know, Georgia-Georgia Tech um, you know, it's a rivalry game that I tend to feel these games are close. Even last night, if you look, sure. with, with Old Miss with Old Miss winning. Now I know I know Fitzgerald got hurt um, Badly. early in the game, but but it was going to be a close game. I think no matter what, Old Miss came out and scored first. You know, you have Florida, Florida State, the ugly game with with those two teams, but it's a, it'll be competitive because it's a rivalry game. Um, and that's what you get this weekend uh, with a lot of these games. So even if you think you know a matchup might not be uh, very good. If it's a rivalry game, you know, NC State-North Carolina. North Carolina's 3-8. and eight. I expect them to show up and, and, and be ready to play You know what game. a
3: great matchup is tomorrow night? I lived through this when I lived in the Palmetto State. The Palmetto State rivalry yes. tomorrow night between Clemson traveling to South Carolina. That South Carolina team's not bad. Mushchamp's done a good job despite three. the fact that they lost Samuel. Clemson's going to have to play well to win that game. South Carolina would get so much joy out of beating them and knocking them out of the postseason. That's going to be... Insane or knocking them out of the playoff rather they'll be in the postseason one day or the other. That that's gonna be a really, really exciting game tomorrow. Also exciting always finding out what's latest in the world of sports. Let's go
0: to Ralph Irvin. Ralph. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. Of course, the day after Thanksgiving, we're looking back at some of the great performances in the NFL on Thursday. Washington's defense shut down the New York Giants. The blue only 170 yards of total offense as the Redskins win it 20-10. Washington scored 10 points in the final three and a half minutes of that game. The day started off in Detroit with Minnesota taking out the Lions 30-23. Case Keenum's two touchdowns in the air and one on the ground. But really the performance of the day came from Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. They won at Dallas 28-6. Rivers with 434 yards and three touchdowns, and he thinks they can make the playoffs.
3: You know, I said it before the year that we're we're, we're right there uh, from a team standpoint. One through fifty-three, one through sixty. You know, they end up having more guys that, that uh, is, is really we're right there from close uh, to what we were. 06 to 09, when we had the our, those opportunities. Now then we start the season 0-4 right after I say that, but uh, we certainly we certainly are capable, but we got a long way to go.
0: They do have that on the college gridiron. One game with a ranked team is Ole Miss upset number 14, Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl, 31-28. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And South Africa's Supreme Court of Appeals has adjusted the prison sentence for the Blade Runner, Oscar Pistorius taking it from six years to 13 years, five months. That is for his murder conviction.
3: And that is Ralph Irvin. Thanks for the latest, my bud. We are coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier we're also brought to you by true car with TrueCar, car you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off the msrp whether you're looking for a new or used car visit true car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience i was thinking about it as he was talking about oscar Pistorius. there jeff jeff schwartz with me jason martin in for clay travis he's back on monday and we've got nick wright and the mayor mike Mayer out in la along with ralph Irvin in the update studio today but thinking about South Africa and sports, as soon as you mentioned South Africa, the first thing that popped in my head was Oscar Pistorius. That's not good. Like, it's nice to be in a country where there's a lot of things that you can think about. Like, when you think of American sports, O.J. Simpson doesn't immediately come to mind. But if you're in South Africa, how do you ever live down Oscar Pistorius? That's all anybody is ever going to think about when you talk about... When somebody mentions South Africa on a sporting broadcast, unless you're thinking maybe a little bit, of Nelson Mandela, you're going straight to Oscar Pistorius. It's a shame that that's the case, but I knew as soon as he mentioned South Africa exactly what he was talking about.
4: Yeah, it's not good. I mean, you have a, a guy who was revered for obviously his ability to to overcome uh, and win Olympic medals, and now you have uh, another case where his his sentence got extended, which is interesting. I'm trying to look at why that happened. Um, oh, the prosecution appealed his previous end of six years as too lenient, so they added added some more years. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's sad. I mean, you know, this is was a, was a, was right the face of of South African sports, and you know, he got into trouble. I, I don't know what else South Africa can do to. You know, they have to find, I guess, another sports star for for you know, to take over some of the. News. Well, let's hope they find one because. It's not. It's not fair to South Africa either uh, no. to have this be the reason people think of your country.
3: No, definitely not. Jerry Jones. This. Uh, there's no segue from Oscar Pistorius to this, but Jerry Jones had a closed door meeting last night. Says all is not lost for his football football team. Uh, it may not be all. Might not be lost, but this season appears to be unless they run the table. They're probably not making the playoffs. And let me tell you right now, they are not running the table. There's nothing going right right now in Dallas. But Jerry Jones quotes and says, I really do believe in the old San Francisco gold miner. Right before the next pick, the guy that came behind him found it all. So I think you keep going. Thanks for the meaningless platitude. Thank you for the obvious, let's keep playing football. We're going to keep winning because we're Cowboys, and that's what the Cowboys do. Uh, What the Cowboys did yesterday was not play good football at all, let Phillip Rivers (laughs) kind of remind himself how good he can be, throwing for over 430 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Dak Prescott gets sacked a couple of more times. He's been knocked down 24 times on this season. Dak Prescott with just seven incompletions. Two of them happen to be thrown to guys wearing the other uniform. But this Cowboys team, that offense is putrid. I heard Ralph Irvin there in the update talking about how bad the Giants' offense was, and they were. But the Cowboys could do nothing. And that's not just a story from yesterday. That's a story from the last month or so of this season there is something really rotten in Dallas, Jeff.
4: There is, and they've had opportunities to score. They had a, a touchdown call back. A Tyron Smith held, and uh, a Dak Prescott on the touchdown run. I mean, they've had instances where they've had good plays, just not just not finished them. They've been brought back. They've had issues. Um, Running the football without Zeke, they have issues really passing the ball, pass protection. Um, you know, I think some of the failure is on the players themselves. Um, you have Dak Prescott who played well with these parts around him. He loses the parts and he can't seem to function very well. He's throwing the ball really short, not taking shots downfield. You have a situation now where teams probably feel more comfortable doubling Des Bryant or doubling Win or doubling Cole Beasley because they don't respect the run game as much. Tyron Smith comes back, their their generational talent left tackle, but he's not one hundred percent. The right guard, all pro, Zach Martin gets hurt in the middle of the game, um, and you just don't have some semblance of offense, and I think that part of it is talent, uh, not playing up to the level they're supposed to, and part of it is coaching. I know you prepared an offense around having Zeke Elliott, but you have to have some other options, You ha- and this is the Giants' downfall as well. They don't have Odell, and the offense came and function, right? You have to have some sort of semblance of an offense, some balance, some rhythm, and be able to do some things outside of being able to run the football, so... Uh, and they've had a couple weeks to figure this out. They knew the suspension was going to come at some point, and they just haven't been able to get in a rhythm, and it's been bad. They scored seven points against the Falcons, nine points last week against the Eagles, who, and got blown out in the second half, 30 to nothing. And then yesterday, scoring uh, six points, I should say. They missed the extra points. So um, it's uh, it's been a struggle for them. Uh, they're gonna not going to make the playoffs now. Uh, their schedule's too tough down the stretch. I mean, even playing the Giants is going to be tough. The Giants' defense has played better recently. I mean, the, you expect the Cowboys to— score enough points to compete in a lot of these games it's gonna be hard to do that
3: it certainly is we're gonna take a break now we'll come back for our final segment of the show but one thing to think about that we will talk about in this final segment if you're Tony Romo and you're watching that game yesterday as you're broadcasting it and doing a fantastic job as you have all year for CBS what's running through your mind (laughs) We will ask that and try to answer that question next. Stick with us. One more segment left on this holiday week. We're glad to have you with us. This is Outkick the Coverage with J-Mart and Jeff Schwartz here on Fox Sports Radio. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Nick Wright, not that Nick Wright. Trying to make it so that I don't talk. He goes with regulate and then he goes with it was a good day for Ice Cube and he expects me to try and want to talk over that classic outro one of my, oh no doubt especially on a friday it's fantastic stuff so also fantastic i retweeted this i think it was nfl memes that got it first but who knows it says it's not a logo it's a rating and it's the <laughs> dallas star and it shows like one star out of five underneath it with the dallas star logo that is well done. And what we asked Jeff, that was Jeff Schwartz laughing in the background. I'm Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at Jmart Outkick, follow him at G E O F F Schwartz on Twitter as well. Dallas struggling mightily. Dak Prescott struggling mightily. The offensive line having its issues, no Zeke Elliott, no real game breakers, it seems like offensively, Des is just kind of being wasted, even though he's a little past potentially the years of his, his best part of his career. And you're listening to Tony Romo call this game yesterday with Jim Nance and the question I asked before the break Jeff you're Tony Romo you didn't really want to quit playing football but the opportunity that you wanted just was not there Dallas quickly moved to, to Dak Prescott and you're seeing what's happening right now Tony Romo what is going through his mind watching the way this Cowboys team has seemingly imploded over the last
4: five six weeks um, that's a good question. I, I think he's probably overplaying. He's gone, you know, he's been in the booth this season for a lot of games, right? He does the Thursday game some week and then does the Sunday game. He's probably overplaying, but I think he, he does have a little bit of regret with the way he went out. You never want to go out being injured. I, I think that's, and most of us do it. I know, you know, for me, when I got hurt the second time, well, the third time in New York, when I broke my leg for the second time, um, I probably should have retired. I had eight seasons in. Um, I felt good about my career, but I tried to come back and play because I didn't want to leave the field injured. And I think that's the way most of us feel. We don't want to leave the game injured. And Tony Romo came back. Yes, he came back in Week 17 and, and led that touchdown drive. So he didn't leave the field per se injured, but obviously his back is a concern. So he feels great now. I know he mentioned that in the booth that he feels great. I don't think he he he's upset about not playing. I just think he wishes he had a chance to end his career healthy, if that makes sense. Um, But he probably is glad he doesn't have to get hit as much as he used to, especially with the offensive line situation in Dallas. And I tweeted this yesterday. You know, if you put Tony Romo on this team the last three weeks, even with the issues at left tackle, I think the Cowboys would have some offense. Um, Tony Romo would be able to break down defenses, find holes in the defense, and at least keep the ball moving without having Zeke Elliott because he did a lot of his damage throughout the years, without elite running backs. He had the year with DeMarco Murray in 2014, and yes, it was a great year, and the Cowboys were 12-4, and 4, and he played well. But he's played well most of his career without elite running backs. So to have Zeke Elliott, to have this team, and the team last year was engineered for Tony Romo. Good run game, great offensive line. Uh, Des Bryant, Jason Wynn, Cole Beasley, and Dak Prescott got, got to take advantage of it. I feel like Romo probably feels regret for not playing last year. I think this year he's probably okay with being in the booth.
3: Well, he's, I'm certainly okay with him being in the booth. I absolutely fantastic. love listening to that guy. My goodness. He is so – he makes he makes football so much more fun to watch. I, I feel the same way, honestly, about Chris Collinsworth. I know for some reason people are polarized on him. I think I like Collinsworth, Collinsworth is phenomenal. I think Romo is just transcendently good already. He and Nance – like, Nance has kind of figured out he doesn't have to talk as much because it used to be kind of more of a yes. rhythm with Phil Simms because Phil Simms would say – you know, whatever he would say in his 10-second allotment between plays, and Nance would always certainly have to bring it up to the line like most standard play-by-play guys do. Tony Romo's talking during snaps at times because he's going to finish his point, and it actually feels more conversational. It's a lot less robotic and more natural. It feels like you're listening to two dudes who are in the room with you while you're watching a football game, and it's not like CBS who never talks in the middle of a backswing on a putting green For example, that's always been a policy of theirs uh, during golf is never to talk in somebody's backswing. In the NFL, yeah, I mean, maybe we're not doing that either when we're watching golf, but when we're watching football with our boys, beer in hand, wings, whatever it might be, we're talking continuously about everything, and Romo has kind of brought that back where there's not those breaks. The rhythm is totally different. It's just a continuous conversation. I thoroughly enjoy Romo.
4: He broke the mold for what analysts are supposed to do. And now that I do some analyst work, I'm calling a game tomorrow uh, here in Charlotte. Charlotte, um, the 49ers against FAU, Lane, Lane, Kiffin. Kiffin's, uh, Lane Kiffin's team. So, uh, we actually will – I'll speak to Lane. I actually have a phone call with Lane in about 40 minutes to go over um, his team and his roster in a season. So, I'm looking forward to doing that as well. I might throw out that uh, I know Clay. and He'll give me some, some better in, inside information. We'll yeah. see. Or yeah, maybe he definitely not. definitely will. It, it, it could be it, – it could go one of two ways. Um, so um so with romo so he broke the mold because he talked over jim nance he talks Mm -hmm. during plays which analysts are not supposed to do and if you if you notice the first couple of weeks it was very interesting to see how nance dealt with it he didn't know what to do and romo would ask nance questions too like hey jim what do you think about this and he'd be like uh, uh," and you know he didn't realize he didn't know what to do and now They've gotten into in a rhythm where Jim Nance will even ask, you know, Tony, what do you see here? Or, or he'll let Tony talk longer than he's supposed to talk. And I think it's great. Uh, to hear Romo call out plays. I think more guys should do that if they're, if they're obviously if they're accurate about it. Um, and I do wonder though as Tony is, is Tony's out of the game more and more whether that goes away because right now obviously he just watches, you know, he watched film last year of everybody, right? He game planned for all the teams he played. So I wonder eventually if that goes away because he's not going to be involved in the game as much or the, the actual predicting of plays goes away. But I like it. I think he enhances the telecast. I like Chris Collinsworth. I, t- I typically like most of these guys. I like Chris Collinsworth. Now last night, He bothered me a little bit because he kept calling uh, the Redskins run game inside zone than when they're running outside zone. Things like that bother me as an offensive lineman I am. I like John Gruden. I like his enthusiasm for the game. Is it over the top? Sure. Not not everyone is the best player of all time at their position. Um, But I like his enthusiasm. He loves the game. You could clearly tell about that. Um, So I generally like a lot of the analysts. I think David Deal does a good job. He doesn't do as much on the NFL side anymore. Um, You know, Dan Fouts, I like Dan Fouts. Oh, Chris Spielman's Spielman great. does an amazing Ch- job on Fox. Charles Davis is outstanding. Charles is great. So is Joel um, Klatt you know, on the college even, side. Yeah, Joel Klatt's great. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of great analysts, and eventually that's what I want to do someday. So, you know, it, I don't I don't listen to all those guys to learn because I, I don't want to copy them, but I enjoy listening to games when those guys are, are on because I learn about things that I don't know. And, I, and, you know, I'm still trying to learn about secondaries and routes and things like that. I can pretty much handle the box. Uh, stuff pretty well and coverages and things like that but just learning route concepts and learning what quarterbacks look at and things like that are the things that I learned from Romo and Collinsworth who played wide receiver and Joel Klatt um, you know these offensive minded guys it's been great for me
3: biggest sporting event of the weekend takes place at Jordan Hare tomorrow afternoon on CBS as Alabama plays Auburn right now Alabama is a four and a half point favorite the line started at seven, has dropped two and a half points. The predicted score is Bama, at least the, the predicted score from Shark is 43 to 32 Roll in favor pad. of Alabama, which is definitely is a points? high number. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a high number. Um, the total consensus looks like the 47 and a half is sort of the over under right now. But when you look at this game as an Alabama fan in this final minute of our week, I'm terrified. I know you're always supposed to run with your boys and believe in them. This is one of those games where my head just continues to tell me Auburn is going to win this football game, and then we're going to have chaos, and we're trying to figure out exactly how the rest of the Final Four is going to play out when we get to the college football playoff. I hope I'm wrong. I think it's going to be a very, very entertaining game. Jeff, how do you see this one going? Like I said, right now, I believe Auburn's going to win.
4: I root for chaos in college football, and if Auburn wins, chaos will ensue. What happens to Alabama? Do they still get in not playing the SEC championship game? So I'm rooting for that. I think Auburn at home uh, is a little better team, and I think Auburn wins this game.
3: Jeff, it's been fun, as it always is. Enjoy your sandwich and your nap this afternoon. Thanks to Nick Wright. Thanks to Mike Mayer. (laughs) Thanks to Ralph (laughs) Irvin. Thanks to everybody for checking in with us during this holiday week. Enjoy the football this weekend. Clay's back on Monday. We will react to all of this and more on Outkick the Coverage.